This episode is brought to you by Eufy Video Lock. Eufy is a smart lock with 2K cam and doorbell that's a three-in-one triple security, so you can have everything in one device rather than install many pieces on your front door. It's not just for security, but it's also for convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members and see them coming back home via the integrated camera. It's easy to install and set up with just a Phillips screwdriver. It's got keyless entry, so no more fumbling for the keys when your hands are full. It also has a rechargeable battery that could last around four months, and you'll get low battery notifications before it runs out. Passcode unlocking with a remote control with 2K clear sight to see who's at your front door and control from anywhere through the app. And with enhanced night vision, you can have optimized view even in the evening. No monthly fee, unlike other brands that will charge monthly fee. You have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. This is the future. This is everything I love about what's happening with doors. In my opinion, this is an absolute no-brainer. I'm telling you right now, this is an absolute no-brainer. We installed them in the house, and it makes, especially when you have a family, it makes life so easy, so secure, so safe, and once again, so easy. Search Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Thank you, thank you, gentlemen and guns. I'm still on tour. Phoenix, July 11th through 14th in August. Irvine, Dayton, Seattle, Richmond. This week's episode, Tom Rhodes. Go to BurtBurtBurt.com. Get a shirt. This is the BurtCast. Of course you do. This is, it's all about vulnerability. It's, it's hooked through the couch. Here, here. Okay, just sit right here, and I'll show you how it works. You're going to love this. You're going to freaking love it. Sit down here. This is uh, In the Man Cave is Tom Rhodes, and we're about to do some super Because I have always magic. felt that... Any man who's balding should just deal with it. You know, like Terry Bradshaw. I agree 100%. He dealt with his baldness like a man. Okay, that kind of tingles. But it's essentially, it's like little magnet filings or something, right? Yeah. You'll see. And then we... I know what? Now I got... Go. Really? Yeah. You're kidding me. Are you no, kidding me? Great. Can you... Can you... <laughs> really? It's, it's amazing, isn't it? My bald spot is gone. Put a little lighter color in there. I'm gonna have but to yeah. have and you. Then I do my whole head. I, I should talk to the mic. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what this is. Great. Looks totally natural, doesn't it? Is that not insane? Is that not insane? <laughs> it looks insane. Here, then we put a little. Uh, we put a little hold in it. Oh shit! This is a here. No, now you're giving me hairspray. Well, we want it to stay in there, and now. What you're, if it gets you're windy? You're 40 years younger. <laughs> what if it gets windy? Then I'm bald again? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I use that stuff on... Uh, really? I use that stuff on... Uh, when you're on TV? Yeah, I use it on TV. Like, I, I use it That's because awesome. you kind of... Can you take, can you take a picture? Yeah. yeah it's... Hey, will you take a picture so I can see it? How does this Okay, here, grab a mic. Grab a mic right there. I have another mic here. And you're beautiful. How do you say your name again? Ashna. Ashna. Ashna uh, in my bag there. Ashna's in the man cave. My wife will be out here soon. She's giving the girls a bath. Leanne was like, uh, I said, I said, I, I said, they're both coming over. And Leanne's like, oh, does that mean this is like a double date? 
I was like, yeah, it's a double date podcast. <laughs> that Tom and I are going to dictate how the energy moves. <laughs> exactly like a double date would normally go. You've already made me look younger. You're yeah. giving me hair. This is a great start. So, uh, and I love your man cave. is awesome. Oh, thank you. Yeah, Super you- Millionaires is... Uh, here, grab it. Sit, sit wherever. I sit here only to, so I can watch the board and make sure... Um, Super Millionaires is awesome. I started using it. I got introduced to it when I did Fox News. I went in to do like some promo for uh, Travel Channel, and the woman goes, "You want me to fill up your bottle spot?" And I was like, "Wow!" I was like, "Excuse me." She goes, "I can fill it out. It's not a problem." And she goes, "I do it to Glenn Beck." I was like, "Okay." She put it in, and I couldn't see it was in the back of my head. And just like you, I was like, "Oh yeah, I don't, I don't really. I'm not getting it." I came home. It's in the, the little bag uh, on the little pocket on the bag. I came home and Leanne, I showed Leanne and Leanne was like, are you kidding me? And I was like, really? And she goes, you look, oh my God, babe, you look hot. And I was like, excuse wow. me? <laughs> yeah. So now I use it. I don't use it all the time. I'll use it like, like, I, like I, I get lazy. Like I don't use it in every episode, but like if I'm, if I'm focusing, you're going to fucking freak out when you see how full hair your hair looks. Wow. Yeah. All right. But you can get, those are my colors. You've got darker hair than me. If you get your colors, dude. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! Is that not fucking insane? There's no flesh showing at all. Yeah, super million Are you hairs. Kidding me? Super million hairs. If you want to be a sponsor of this podcast, because it's expensive. <laughs> they're not nothing. They're listening. I think they're made in Asia. Here, let me pull a chair up for you. Wow! Here, oh my on, god! Your podcast isn't live, right? What's that? Your podcast isn't live, right? No. I, and and even if it. Was I like this? Uh, wow! I can't believe that photo. I've no, got hair. It's insane, isn't it? And so what it is is it's little fibers, and I hate to let the cat out of the bag. I know a lot of people in Hollywood use it, and they pretend that they don't. But here's the deal: I'm, I believe, and I think this is how I was groomed in stand up. I believe in transparency. I believe in who I am on stage is who I am in real life, and vice versa. You know, like I don't, I don't have much of an act per se. Like I'll tell stories, but I believe in trying to stay as true to the as close to the truth as possible. And so I feel like a phony, like a Hollywood phony when I put it in and I, and I don't tell people. But I, Well, you're that kind of guy. You, you're open and you're joking all the time. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, it's easy to, to, to laugh off, I think. It's the same More reason. vain like, people wouldn't. Yes. I've had vain friends that use it that will not tell me that they use it. But the best is once you use it and someone tells you they use it behind, like, behind in the Wait green Wait a minute, room. now there's a, a Super Millionaires Club I don't even know about. <laughs> You guys got to get a secret handshake yeah. when you see each other at the mall. Our handshake is always brown fingernails. Because <laughs> when you put it in, your, your fingernails, if you don't wash your hands sometimes, your wow. fingernails will get they brown. they should sponsor your show. You just worked a miracle. Yeah, I know. I, 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 I should probably be the guy that doesn't tell people Look like my that. My wife's face. Oh, my God. So yeah. You like, really? I'm a lifestyle brand. It's <laughs> <laughs> the Burt Kreischer makeover. Yeah. So, uh <clears throat> But uh, yeah, Leanne is excited that you're over here because I was. Hey man, we just spent a month in New Zealand. You did? Yeah, I just got. We just got back Monday. Are you serious? Um, I did the New Zealand Comedy Festival in Auckland for two weeks, and then I did uh, a Best of the Fest tour that went all over New yeah. Zealand. Amazing, absolutely incredible country. Both of your television shows are airing there. Shut the fuck up! No, they're showing Bert the Conqueror. And Trip Flip. Uh, we saw commercials for... And I was like, holy shit, Bert needs to come to New Zealand. I, I don't know if that, those shows are a representation of my stand-up, per se. No, but I mean... <laughs> but yeah, I'd do that in a heartbeat, man. I went to Australia once for Trip Flip. 
one of the greatest experiences of my life. I love Australia. I absolutely love Australia. It's one of the best places in the world. Me, I agree. And then so New Zealand is, you know, they're uh, it's 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 a branch of that. Is it's, it like the Sweden of Australian Australia? I mean, that, the North Island of New Zealand reminded me of Northern California, and then the South Island of New Zealand. That's where all the stunning Lord of the Rings, really epic scenery is. I mean, that's uh, I, I I loved every drop of it. I absolutely. And then it's even smaller than Australia, like the cities. Yeah. You know, Auckland is half the size of Sydney. I think. What are those like? What are those cities like compared? To, like, if you had to compare them to a city in the United States, like I, I you know what? I, and I it's not the United States, but Vancouver. It's very you know really? uh, a lot of smooth young Asians and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it, just the the cleanliness of it, the, oh. just incredibly clean places. And New Zealand was heaven because the news is so filtered there. You know, the the newspaper was cracking me up every day. It'd be like a sheep is in the road, or some <laughs> old drunk guy let his seven year old son drive. Like really, you know, not Israel doesn't even exist in their yeah. news. And then also flying within New Zealand. You don't have, you know, they they announce the flight. Everybody gets up and gets on the plane. No metal detectors. You don't take off your shoes. I couldn't believe it. Really? It was unbelievable. I I never in my life have I ever gotten on a plane without walking through a metal detector. Yeah, I don't think I've ever. I've always been through a metal detector. Like I remember the the late eighties. I think the first time I or got on a airplane ever i think it was metal detectors then that was the first time you ever got on an airplane what i'd say what 86 probably really yeah i'm trying to think i i was on planes in the 70s i was on the planes when uh herman i flew around as a kid i mean yeah 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 yeah. just but you mean like like uh that you have that you have recollection of flying right i flew the first time i realized i don't like flying was in high school my senior year i flew up to go to a dance for a sorority that a girl I was dating was having, and she wanted me as a date, and I, I flew up, and I had absolute horrific anxiety on the flight up. And I, I was too young to drink. There was nothing to do, and I was like, oh, my God, this is a fucking nightmare. And then the flight back was even worse, and I had had sex, and I thought I had AIDS. So Wow. That's back when I believed That's I could a, get AIDS. And nail bite. Remember that? Yeah. You thought, <laughs> oh, my God. You can... I thought AIDS was literally right around the corner. Every girl in high school, in my opinion, definitely had AIDS. I was like, they scared the living that's shit out they, of us. That's what they told us. I don't know what year you graduated. 91. I graduated high school in 91 and college in fucking... I graduated in 85. That was when the, the, it was all that news media was yeah. sex is AIDS. Sex equals death. And everyone and started thought, you know, popping up. entire generation of people are going to grow up having sex and, and, and never actually be touching flesh... Because of the the balloon on the dick. The good thing is, the good thing is, though, it kind of it kind of protected us from all the other STDs that were floating around, or at least like made like like herpes not seem that bad. I remember my buddy's got herpes, and he was like, "Well, at least not AIDS," because that's that's a possibility. <laughs> I remember thinking, yeah, I've I've worn condoms with every chick I've ever been with. Well, except for you know, obviously, once you start dating them for a while, but like I was definitely massively protected. My whole life, and now I look back, I'm like, God, I could have been so much more promiscuous. <laughs> I could have. I was so terrified. The first time I ever had sex with a chick, first of all, I thought I got AIDS. Second of all, I was like, well, I got AIDS, and I definitely got her pregnant, so well, I'm going to have an AIDS baby, and I'm, and I'm wow. 17. This is a lot to and swallow you're, you're at 17. And you're weighing the you know, yeah. implications. And, and I was really grief. bad at it. The first time I had sex, I missed like altogether and didn't even have sex with her. I had sex with the bed and her butt cheek. That deserves the silence. 
<laughs> wow. <laughs> so, uh, so now, um, now, how long? How long have you guys been together? Here, yeah, I uh, think five years. Talking to the microphone. Yeah, you can move the mic into front of you or take it out of the uh, stand altogether. Those are Dinkum Systems sent to me by my buddy, my buddy John Manns, who makes them. Go to DinkumSystems.com. He's my buddy, and he just sent them over. Cool. Pretty cool little setups. I like it. So how long have you guys been together? Uh, five years. Five years? Yeah. We married two years. And where did you guys, you guys met uh, over? We met in, in Holland. We met in The Hague. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I was thinking about you guys today when I was on my spin bike. Because I was like, oh. Dutch people riding bikes. <laughs> yeah, the whole time. Yeah. The whole, that's all I thought. Tom used to do this in Amsterdam, but he would see scenery going by. I was like, I wonder if, I, I wonder if spin classes are big in Amsterdam. I kept thinking that. Thinking like, I wonder if they're like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I tried I'll a spin class when I lived in L.A. years ago. I hated it. Oh. Where did you do it at? I Somewhere in L.A. Some fitness place. It's terrible. I, I used to take spin classes with Bob <laughs> from Biggest Loser. Do you ever I don't like that? to exercise. I like to, I like to do Bikram yoga. That's it. Yeah, that's a big hundred degree yoga. Yeah, Love. I'm a big. I'm a big. I was a big yoga guy. No, there's there's no uh, there's no flaws in this podcast. Everything that happens is real. <laughs> like I'm not editing out. I think the 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 bumps in the in the exterior make it beautiful. So now I will backtrack. I'm trying desperately to start interviewing people better because the people I find interesting are who I have on the podcast, and you were one of the first people I found interesting in stand-up comedy so tom and i are from both from florida that is a small group of comics it is billy gardell you jim brewer me todd barry brian regan brian regan and dennis regan <laughs> um and uh, and jim brewer started out in tampa yeah, yeah even though he's you know kind of a new, kind of a new jersey, jersey dude. guy and so that was a small group that i felt like i could that i felt like i had camaraderie with and uh and you succeeded you had the same uh Success trajectory as I did, as I did, as Bill Burr did, as Greg Giraldo did. The same, we're the same cut of dude. Who, um, I'll, I'll let you describe it. How do you describe that, like your trajectory in this business when you started? I, I don't know. I've had so many levels, and you know, I started out in Florida, and then I was doing the Southern circuits, and then I started working up and down the Eastern Seaboard. How old? Um, right out of high school. Really? Yeah. I, you didn't I, go to college? Gra- uh-uh. Went straight on the road. Shut the fuck up. No, I graduated from high school in... Uh, Is that me? Yeah. So you I graduated in 1985, and two weeks later, I was booked in Tulsa, Oklahoma to MC for $150. Do you remember who the headliner was? A magician guy, uh, Kozak. Oh, I think I've yeah. heard of that dude. Uh, close your eyes. He would do this great opening. He'd walk a closure and he threw this big fireball over the. Now that you know, there's been bands and pyrotechnics that have burned some clubs. Maybe that's not such a great idea, but it was a group before fire law. We were safe from a, AIDS, but man, fire was fucking a son of a bitch. That was a great act. Um, but I, I, I drove from Orlando to Tulsa for 150 bucks to MC for the week, and I'll never forget. Pulling into Tulsa, crossing the city limits, like I'm in show business, man. I mean, you'd have thought I was doing the Tonight Show. I was so excited. And then the week after that, I was uh, booked in Milwaukee, uh, and then uh, you know for another 150 bucks. And then working my, and then driving back to Florida, I stopped in all these towns and did guest sets, really? you know, and and got set up future work and stuff. Um, you know, I moved to New York when I was young. I wasn't that 20. 
I God lived damn. in New York when I was 20. Uh, worst year of my life. Struggled. Wasn't a good comedian yet. Moved back to Florida for a year. Licked my wounds. And then I moved to San Francisco. Um, like when I was 22. And that's where it all came together for me as a comedian. And that's start, where you write smarter stride. jokes. Uh, the, the, the comedy scene there was great. Um, who's who's in, in the that? the 90s, you know, Greg Proops. At the time, uh, Patton Oswalt, Blaine Kapatch. Um, Blaine Kapatch is a really funny dude. Oh, he's hilarious. I've, uh, I've never seen him on stage, but I've read. Margaret Cho. So many brilliant comedians were, were there. Uh, and Dana Gould. God, and I remember the, the Guardian Free Weekly in San Francisco had a, uh, a story that stand-up comedy was dead and that they stopped running the comedy listings in, the, in their little Free Weekly. And uh, to look back on that, all the brilliant comedians that were there working. That's insane. Uh, that, just to be at an open mic in there, then it is all the dudes, a lot of the dudes running TV and on TV. Right. And uh, and and definitely running podcasts. I mean that that. Oh, and Mark of- Maron. Mark Maron was also a big. Uh, and then uh, Mitch Hedberg came around. God. Um, you know, it was a lot of brilliant comedians there. Did you know you were you were? Uh, I imagine the partying was out of the fucking control back then. Uh, you know, for, for me it was just weed. Yeah. Back then, Maron. I've told the story on he and I've, you know, talked about it on. His podcast and mine when he was a sweaty little drugged out loser. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, there was a you know there was a few people riding off the rails on the crazy train, but I w- I moved there with a beautiful French woman uh, who was five years older than me. I thought I was Jim Morrison. You know, I had the long. <laughs> it hair. sounds like Jim Morrison and, just at the uh, beginning of it. I you know the I, log line comes off like yeah, out of the doors. I wasn't you know I was having you know weed and sex and smelly cheese and stuff. God. You know. And, and, and then being cultured on like you know wine and and we enjoyed everything about San Francisco. It's still um, I'm tempted to move back there. I love it so much. But that's where I started getting noticed as a comedian. Comedy Central saw me. I started doing. Uh, I did like their two drink minimum or whatever the show was, and then they started. I started. They filmed all these uh, jokes of mine like they were rock videos. Yeah. Like Dennis Leary did for MTV years yeah. ago. Um, I did like two series of those. Those. Got me noticed first, and then Comedy Central made me their boy. I was the face of the network. Uh, I was the first person they ever signed to a development deal, and that led to Viva Vietnam. I did an hour special. I saw that. My dad had fought in Vietnam, yep. and I went there to do a comedy travel. It's so funny thing. because it's, it is, uh, and I'll say this as someone who has done a million travel logs and man on the street, It's it was the predecessor to what is the comment now what is Bourdain right and I saw an Anthony Bourdain he went to Vietnam and then he's eating all this like weird stuff and I was like oh man we did that on on Viva Vietnam like he went to a restaurant where they served what, 20 years the ago Cobra blood yeah and, it was and, was it 20 uh, years ago um I what 95 I think it came on 18, 18 years, years ago. ago I mean 18 years ago you're doing that you're getting you're getting money from Comedy Central going to I remember seeing that online it might have been when I first moved to New York because there were a group of dudes that I looked at and I was like that's where I'm that's where I'm going. That's my. Those are my uh, my. Um, uh, I call them in life. I call them, uh, uh, and I think this is growing up in Florida. Um, channel markers, like where you know, like when you get on a boat in in the, in in Florida, you'll 
pull out of the dock. You'll pull out of the dock. Everyone's like, "Really, bird?" Like we didn't know this, but you'll see two channel markers. One's red and one's green, and you got to stay in between them. And so you always kind of know where you're going. And when you're coming back, you look. You got to stay outside the channel markers to come back into the port or wherever you're coming. And I always refer to people in this business as channel markers. And there's a red and a green. There's one you don't want to stay away from, and there's one you want to go towards. And like you. Um, Mattel, Hedberg, were all positive channel markers. Uh, Kevin Brennan was a channel marker, like a positive channel marker, because I, I, my family knew him um, randomly. But uh, but it, I think it was just it was that style. It was not. I, I don't know. I also say, and, and was it like this for you? But like when I started, um, there was a massive respect to be paid to dudes who were above you. Yeah, I always felt that way. Yeah, I mean, it's not that way that much anymore. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I, I think I think it's a little different now. You have dudes that are like well, snotty dudes think they got it all figured they're out. They're like, yeah, I got I run an open mic in Los Feliz, and you know the fuck was that? Um, bad shit. Is it, so <laughs> man, kid, it's authentic. Bats up in the rafters. So uh, I just realized one reason why I, uh, I I I I mean I already love you, but it um, makes me love you more. What's that? I just realized, like myself, you grew up with boating safety. Yeah. <laughs> We're taught that in school. Of course. In Florida. Yeah. You're taught like in eighth grade yeah. and all throughout school, you're taught like boating safety. Oh, yeah. I learned how to, I had, I, well, they had to teach us, we had everyone, when we were growing up, learned how to sail. You had to learn how to sail. Like the water was so an integral part of how we grew up. And it's so funny because I said to someone, I was saying to Leanne, my wife, who should be in here soon, she's putting the girls to bed. She, we were talking about the ocean and my girls are so scared of the ocean and Leanne's scared of the ocean. I have, Literally a wine refrigerator full of wine, so just go in and open anything. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm closer to wine refrigerator. So, uh, but and Leanne will be in here; she'll crack a bottle. But um, the uh, if you need it to go further, that one goes further. Where are you going? Smoke a cigarette. Oh, <laughs> here, use this one. This one goes a lot further, right here. Okay. Pull the other mic out. And they're all they're all running. Yeah, yeah, all right. I yeah, think he so. Just talking quit. it, <clears throat> and he started again. Like, You're talking he it. Yesterday. Yeah. The day before or something. Yeah. I quit for a week. Smoking's a son of a bitch. I quit. The day I quit, my girlfriend told me that she cheated on me. Uh, she'd been sleeping. My girlfriend for five years told me she'd been sleeping with my best friend. That was the day I quit. Wow. And I remember, I remember wanting to have a cigarette that day and choosing not to and going, you know what? Now's the moment. If I do it, I'll always smoke. And if I don't, I bet I never smoke again. I bet if I cannot smoke now, wow. I will never smoke again. And I did not smoke. I think I might have chewed tobacco still. But uh, let's get back to the game changer people you looked up to. Steve. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, the, like it's audio. Uh, we didn't even have to mention that I was smoking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll edit it out so you no, still quit. Not. Yeah, <laughs> fucking editing anything. <laughs> so yeah, like uh, you guys were all like my uh, channel markers. I've told you this story a million times, and I'll tell it one more time because that's still so great. I was a young comic working the Boston Comedy Club, and you showed up. And you were, I think you were in town for like, a, I want to say you were in town for a weekend. That's what it felt like. But I knew exactly who you were, and I went down to the Bagot Inn. You I was standing. living there, 98, 99. Really? Yeah, I was doing sets at the cellar in Boston Comedy Club. I was, I was, uh, I'd do like five, six sets a night. It was really yeah. exciting. And I'd seen you work a couple nights, and I was like. I'd I was always like, end the night in the village. And I went, I went down to the Bagot Inn, and I, you were standing right there, and I said, hey, my name is Burke Kreischer. I'm from Florida also, and I'd love to, and you stopped me. And you go, listen. You, you said you, you you said you want some advice. Oh yeah, I wanted. I was like, I want. I want. I just want to know anything. You know, what would you say to a young comic to start? And you stop me, and you go, listen. 
you start buying beers, and I will tell you everything you need to know. And I went, I remember I reached into my pocket, pulled out my dad's credit card, and I was like, this is an investment in my career, dad? And I put it down, <laughs> and I go, I was like, I forget, I forget his name now. I met a guy over the day, the bartender, but I was like, Patrick? I was Patrick. I go, Patrick? <laughs> okay, what was us. the advice that I gave you? Uh, you remember anything? None. I remember not a fucking see, thing. I always, remember being... You I always remember, tell the story about the beers, <laughs> and then yeah, I see... Uh, oh, my friend Burt Kreischer's on Joe Rogan, and you know I love Joe Rogan. Uh, and I see this clip you're on there talking about, you know, me getting smashed and, <laughs> you know, sleeping in my car and shit. And I was like, oh, my you, God, lay you, off you, the Tom drinking stories. I, do, I think drinking defines guys like me and you. It does. You think? Of course. What, in a like, Hemingway in the romantic? Same, in the same way that you said I moved to... <clears throat> I moved to... Uh, I moved to uh, San Francisco with a girl five years older than me and yep. l- learned about culture. It's the same fucking thing. And I didn't say you slept in your car like you were homeless. I said you slept in your car so you didn't get a DUI. Right, exactly. That's the fucking my, noble thing. No one hears that right. in a negative way. My father way. was killed by a, a drunk driver. Yeah, you actually so said, I, don't I, worry about I, it. No I'm taking care of this. You go, I go, we can take you wherever you want. You go, don't worry. I got this. I'm going to take a nap. I'll get up. I'll go to the airport. And that's exactly what you did. I fucking look up to that. I don't say that in a mocking way at all. I think of that as like, as like, fuck. If more people did that, there would be less. I never drink and drive. I'm neurotic. I take Uber everywhere. Great. Thanks for sending the car. Oh, don't mention it. So we it. can get all wind up. Yeah. I would like to have like a fun, loose, boozy podcast. No time limit. Not worrying about how you get home. I hate when you go to a podcast and everyone's like, you want beers? And you're like, well, I got to drive. I'll take one. Yeah. And then you're nursing right. it. Yeah. I like to get loose. I take po- I take Uber to ro- do Rogan's podcast. How much is it? I because I'm going to do Rogan's show on Friday. Uh, it's uh, it depends. Well, to where he's taping. We'll talk about this yeah. after the podcast. Yeah, to where he's taping, it might be a lot. Let's not bore the listener. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's get back to uh, let's get back. So you go to San Francisco. You got all those dudes that are literally the I, I would say the foundation of where stand up is today. You get signed by Comedy Central. You do you move to New York then? No, not at all. Uh, that was a great thing. I could stay in San Francisco, and they were flying me back and forth to New York all the time. Really? It was great. I was on top of the world. That's fucking Loved fantastic. Loved it. And then, you know, that's funny, and, and you know, I've, I've been trying to make a comedy travel show about highlighting comedy scenes around the world. My life, basically, traveling. Yeah. And um, I think back, and you were saying that was like the first show to do that. Like, um, I, I don't think comedy wasn't worldwide then the way it is now, but I mean, that show via vietnam was um is essentially what i'm still doing in my life yeah i'm filming stuff and well when did you get to leapfrog ahead when did you get like the the sincere travel bug where you were like fuck the states i'm going to amsterdam when did i do that yeah like when did you get the when did you just okay so i got hot on comedy central and then i did the montreal comedy festival and i was the bell of the ball 94 no, 95. And there was a bidding deal? war between NBC, HBO, and Fox. How's that? How, like, to those, I know, I don't know what a bidding war feels like. How, so what does it feel like when you get a call from, I'm imagining it's Dave Becky? Yeah. Dave Becky, and he's like, Tom, I got some good, what are you in your hotel room? Does he talk oh, to you? Yeah, it was probably in my house or something, you know? And he's like, we got good news. My apartment. And you're like, what is it, Dave? And he's like, well, they liked you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, more than one people liked you. And so? 
Uh, and and you know, I, uh, I I went with NBC because to me NBC was American comedy. I grew up, uh, you know, Saturday Night Live, yeah. The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, early David Letterman, Cheers, The Cosby Show, Taxi, yeah, all these shows that I loved. I just thought they that was the best place to to do a, a, a sitcom with, and I got the deal to develop a show. And I wanted to be a public defender lawyer originally. Yeah, the voice of the voiceless, and uh, would have been so representing the dregs of society. And I'd get my little stand-up riffs out in the at courtroom the, in the closing scenes, closing comments. Right. And then, uh, and then, it would still work today. Yeah, oh, I, I, it would still work today. It would be better with me as I am today doing it. I think now I could make that show. Yeah, uh, you know, I they they. They said, they said they had just had a lawyer show fail. Can you make Tom a teacher? And also, in in retrospect, like four other teacher shows came on that year. Really? So and then, something's and then, hot. And, and then they... the pilot, they used four of my jokes. Then they turned it into a series. And then um, when it was a series, they made the focus all about the kids. And I felt like the second banana on my own show. Yeah. So it only lasted a year. And I had lived in New York City like a dog when I was 20. And I always swore if I ever had any money, I'd live back there with style. So I looked at my money as my NBC artist grant. Yeah. And I got a rock star apartment in the Wall Street area, uh, 98.99. And, uh, you know, and I, I, just, I just got back into stand-up hard. I mean, I had never left it. But, I mean, I just wanted to live in New York, be a comedian, and just, you know, live it, absorb it. And... Um, Become the best comedian I could be, and then, and that's when I met you in that period. Yep. And um, I was hanging out with Hedberg a lot, Attell, a lot of great guys in New York. Uh, Dave Chappelle was around then. Yeah. And that was like that was the really uh, exciting. <laughs> there was one time I went on at the Comedy Cellar after Chris Rock had I had come there, and you know you're about to go on, but like if a bigger comedian comes they can go instantly on yeah, you get yeah. bumped i'm about i'm five minutes till i'm about to go on the place is packed and it's like a week after chris rock hosted the oscars <laughs> he comes out there to a resounding standing ovation they clapped for a good four or five minutes before they you know the man had to like you know yeah. get him to sit down so he could start now is they this adore is, him? Is this is this bomb on purpose, Chris Rock? No, 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 no. Okay, no, no. okay. This is victory lap, Chris Rock. Right, <laughs> right after yeah. you know one of his hugest milestones, he hosted the Oscars and does a blistering hour. They adore him, and then he ends and standing ovation, and then people stay standing and they start collecting their coats, and half the room is leaving, and then oh. here's Tom Rhodes. And I walk out there, and ain't nobody's even paying attention. <laughs> They're all. Can you believe Chris Rock was just here? He sent his driver. Oh he must have left something on stage. He sent his driver to come in and get it. Look, look, look. Can you believe Chris Rock yeah. was just here? And I go out and I go, um, Chris Rock, ladies and gentlemen, Chris Rock, a bona fide superstar. Yeah. He hosted the Oscars last week. Did you see the man hosting the Oscars? I watched the Oscars in my underwear eating a tuna fish sandwich. <laughs> Exactly what I had done. Yeah. <laughs> How did it go over? <laughs> Nobody listens. No. <laughs> no. no. 
I have another great story about when I lived in um, New York in that period, 98, 99. I got to open for Ray Charles. What? At uh, this famous jazz club called Tramps in New York City. And uh, I don't know why they ask comedians to open shows for the, like this because nobody was there to see me. Yeah. And I had to do 20 minutes. And I'm on stage for like 12 minutes. And everybody in the place is talking. No one's listening to me. And I'm thinking, this could not be worse. Yeah. I was wrong. <laughs> 13 minutes in, the whole audience starts chanting, Ray! Ray <laughs> this could not Ray, be worse! <laughs> Ray! 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 And I'm standing there and I'm screwed. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. I just stood there like an idiot for like a, a minute. And then finally, something came to my head and I went, People! 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 Ray is in the shower. <laughs> I didn't just walk off the street. Mr. Charles knows I'm here. He asked me to do a couple of minutes while he made himself pretty for you people. <laughs> and don't worry, I'm not going to do one minute past my allotted time because I want to see Ray Charles just as bad as you do. And then they, they clapped and yeah. they, they shut up and they let me finish. And I walked off stage and I swear to God, Ray Charles was standing there yeah. in the wings. And as, as, as I'm walking by him, he goes... Am I pretty enough to go on yet? Oh, shut up. <laughs> what did you say? What did you say? I just slunk by the man. He's uh, very intimidating. You're like, oh, poor guy blind, doesn't know what he looks like. Like backstage, <laughs> his band, he had a big band, and they're all talking and jovial backstage. I'm like, oh, yeah. man, this is going to be hot. This is going to be great. And then when Ray Charles showed up, they all went silent. Really? Well, he, Ray Charles didn't fuck around backstage yeah. and with his band. So, you know, I like, I just was... I was happy to to have opened for the man. God, that's such a fucking. I don't have any stories like that. I I missed that. I missed that period where you guys kind of, you guys were all all kind of a little bit, a little bit of rock stars. Like you guys all kind of got in and stand up was hot as shit. Like everyone wanted to see good stand up. Like when I started stand up, it was like it was like right when everyone was like, I just hope I can get on the road. So I have a bunch of like featuring for dudes stories, and that's it. I don't have any good. You know what's so funny? Did uh did you ever have any good like uh like I'd assume you and would have great partying with Hedberg stories? Yeah, loads of them. With like any any you can share as a fan of like of I would of what I call um the 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 power nineties like the you guys owned like I you guys made clubs like you guys made the last stop. I mean, the last stop obviously you know Kinnison was a big part of, but when you went in the last stop as I did right before it closed, you guys were the pictures on the walls. The last stop in Houston is where everybody recorded their first album. Me too, and that is my Hedberg, one claim to fame. Tell yeah. me, uh, everybody, they, they they had it mic'd in their place. It was always. The greatest comedy audience. It was it, a great comedy it's audience. A, it's amazing I don't play in Houston anymore. Um, None of us do. and Because uh, it was such a great comedy city. Uh, and no, there's no good clubs in Houston. I mean, there's the improv, but I don't think it works. The, uh, they don't work me. They don't work me either. Yeah. Yeah. No, wait. So, I thought um, you were an improv darling. No. Oh, yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> hmm. As much as you are. Not me. Yeah, shit. Not really? I got to beg them for scraps. Uh, I, you know what? I, I dedicated myself to the road. Hardcore, and I took the shit money when they were offering it, and I never questioned it. And I took it, and I took it, and I took it. And now, 
I definitely am not making a ton of money, but now I'm finally making money. But right when all of a sudden now people don't need comedy clubs as much. I mean, dudes I know go into a theater, right. make the exact same money in a weekend, do a small rock club, make the same you would in, right. in two nights, yeah. and yeah. bounce. And so it's like I'm kind of betrothed, behold, betrothed, beholden. I say the wrong word constantly these days. But to like these five-day weekends where you come in Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, leave Monday. So, But I like I liked clubs. I like the liveliness of clubs. You were, uh, you were. I like it all. Like in New Zealand, I just did all these fabulous little theaters. I mean, I wish I did more little fabulous theaters. But um, you know, I love the clubs. I love. There's a lot of great rooms like that laugh stop play. I God, that's uh, I. I uh, it 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 makes my uh, my heart sad that that place isn't around. But San Francisco Punchline, Atlanta Punchline. Uh, God, there's so many great clubs. Um, what about like helium? You ever do helium? Love heliums. Yeah, yeah. in Portland and uh, Philadelphia. I'm in Philadelphia helium for New Year's Eve. Are you really? I'm yeah. there in two love, weeks. Love that room. Or when this airs, but this week. <laughs> the Laugh Stop had a place where they put the comedians called the Allen Park Inn, uh, and it looked like a place where astronauts went and had affairs in like the <laughs> '60s, and they had a they had a 24 hour restaurant. And you and it was really dark in this restaurant, which was great because if you were partying four o'clock, five o'clock in the morning, you could go have like a steak and mashed potatoes or something. It yeah. Was like a, but there was always like strange transvestites and uh, and very weird, um, you know, speed freak looking people hanging out in this restaurant. But it was this massive hotel, and they usually only you know rented uh, rooms on the on the the main building side, but it. It went way out in the back. It was this big box um, design, and in the center was this massive pool and a, a big yard. And uh, me and Hedberg co-headlined there a couple times because we were such good friends. Uh, we took less money so we could work together and have fun. And he was so much fun back then, and we'd hang out, and and, and it was always about meeting people and hanging out, and there's a lot of great Houston comedians um, people we had fun with we did mushrooms one time in the summer there and uh we went uh skinny dipping in the big pool but also the sprinklers came on on the grass and the grass was really nice grass that had been um mowed and Hedberg and I are like running naked through these sprinklers and and there was like a (laughs) bunch of other it was women and comedians and yeah it wasn't just you and Mitch. No, no, no. no. It, was a, it was a few people, but uh, I think it was, it's such a more beautiful o- story when it's just you only, and Mitch. I think it was only me and Mitch, uh, and maybe you know one other person that was naked. You know, yeah, everybody else. But that was that was about the best. Those are great. I, we we had. Uh, you look back. I look back at like uh, like the dudes that you got to share weekends with, and uh, god damn, they were so much fun because there was no ego involved. It was just really good work, and you just wanted to party after the show and it was like you almost fought to fa- fought, fought for who went on first without any ego attached because you wanted to start drinking first like a me and Ian bag would do weekends together and I would always be like no no you close it you're stronger <laughs> I'll open I'll open and I'll just I'll just fucking I'll be well, the me and Mitch it was uh, whoever had to follow the other always had a difficult I mean not I mean we yeah, yeah. still do the job but it was it was always I didn't want to go on after him. He didn't want to go after me. So we just flip flopped it every night. That's you know? so that's so fucking great. There was, was no argument. So so when did you move? When did you decide to go abroad? 
So in that period, 98, 99, I started making trips over to London. Uh, my good friends Rich Hall and Greg Proops were living over there and doing very well for themselves. And they both told me, you should come over. And I stayed with Greg Proops at a place he had. He was doing Whose Line Is It Anyway at the time. My first trip over. Uh, and then uh, I stayed with Rich Hall <clears throat> and... I, I showcased everywhere, and and that's I got in with London, and then I started making trips over, and uh, that led to once I got in with London, that led to gigs all over Europe. It really expands your wings. So much stuff is booked out of London. Like there's this great Hong Kong China tour I do, and that's booked out of London. Uh, a lot of Australia, the comedy festivals. You know, the scouts go to London. Yeah, and then you do TV show uh, in in England, and then it, it you know it plays to the the British world. And you can do anything. It's, it's especially in London. Like you feel like if you're on TV in London, like you can tour England. Like, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's you, there. You, you could just, there's guys that never leave there. It's a lot of work there. The, now it's dried up a little bit um, really? compared to us. Our scene is booming and they've been booming for the last 20 years. Now they're, um, Belt is kind of tightened a little bit. The um, Rich Hall, did you ever? You know Patrice, right? Oh yeah, I uh, I spent a week with Patrice in uh, at the Edinburgh Comedy Festival. We shared an apartment. Really? Yeah, it was great, and the food there is fucking terrible. And Patrice was cooking up fried chicken every day, making oh. like real great, uh, uh, you know, really nice greasy. American food. Not great. surprising that Patrice knew how to cook, but I, well, I was surprised. He cooked some fried chicken. The man. first time he went to Edinburgh, I was with him, and he taught me how to make an omelet. And it's so funny. Black guys are so different than white guys, than white people when they, and I only say this. This is, by the way, this is two people I know that have done this, Donnell Rollins and Patrice, but they both seasoned the pan and not the egg. Like they would, they would oil the pan and then season the pan, yeah. and all their seasonings went on the pan, hmm. and then they'd cook the omelet, and then that would it would be cooked in seasoning, and then they'd yeah. as opposed to season like I season the omelet. I do the food as well. Yeah, I and do I, the pan. <laughs> you do the pan. Yeah. Wait, what's your ethnic background? Uh, I would say more Caribbean. I was born in Suriname, but um, obviously India. Yeah. One generation back. And your accent is Dutch. Dutch. Yeah. But my culture is Caribbean, so it's not Indian. If I had, if I could live it all over, and I love my wife, I love my family, I love everything I have, I would have definitely hit Amsterdam when I was single, just to get on a bike and meet some chicks. It's great, man. There's a YouTube video I made uh, on Amsterdam. I I just have snippets of it, but one thing I would do when I I would put my video camera on my bike and just film what it looks like going down. There's and it's on if you if you look at YouTube on. Uh, Tom Rhodes Amsterdam there's a, there's this great bike shot and it's um, uh, what's the antique street there called um, um, oh my goodness it's my, it's my favorite street in Amsterdam uh, I haven't been there in a little while mm. you say the artsy antique street it's the artsy antique street anyway and I it's it's it was a nice it's a beautiful summer day, and it's just, it's just beautiful. And people are walking, and it's just it's so exciting to ride a bike around there. Oh, I, I I absolutely loved Amsterdam. I was there when you were there recently to do the Ooh. Showtime thing. We did that Showtime special together. So much fun. Well, our night was fun. They yeah. did two nights of taping, and the first night 
the audience was dead. And uh, were you on my show? Were me and you on the same show? I was on the show before you. You were okay. on the last show, and so I, I guess I actually got the luckiest because our night the audience was good, but it was its old 13th century building where they filmed it in, and they didn't have proper air conditioning. So your show was really hot, and I you were sweating your balls off. Sweating my ass, like literally pouring because I had to wear the same thing I had worn all week on stage, and I had worn a coat because we were outside and it was cold in Amsterdam. And so the idea was that I came in right off the street and right on stage. So they were like, "Keep you have to stay like accurate to what your wardrobe was. So I walked on stage in a coat, and I was like, there's no air conditioning in here. And they're like, I know it's going to be tough. And I was like, fuck. We don't have air conditioning all of us. Really? Yeah, in the whole country, yeah. Rarely. When I lived in Amsterdam, there was a, they had a, a heat wave that was where it was like one week of 100 degrees every day. And that's crazy ridiculous. Because, I mean, it never... In the, what in the summer? Maybe you get in the 90... Maybe on a, a really hot summer there maybe it'll hit 91 yeah they never never get real hot oh, yeah. so nobody has air conditioning so when they have the heat waves in europe like tourists are dying in rome and all He's these different places <laughs> in paris yeah it's fucking they got heat because it's normally cold fuck the now so wait so but well, I, I wanted to re-say this patrice and i when we were in amsterdam um saw rich hall sing a song about Uncle, show me on the doll where Uncle Cletus touched you. Do you, do you remember that song? Mm-mm. It was the funniest fucking song. It was so funny. Rich like, is really funny, dude, man. And people in the states don't know him that well. What, what what happened? Did he just decide that he was just done with the states and he went to? He did a lot of stuff here. He was on Saturday Night Live. He was on not necessarily the news. That was like yeah. the first Sniglets, like Daily Show. Was it Sniglets? The Showtime did not necessarily. He did Sniglets also, yeah. but. Not necessarily the news was uh, a Showtime show that was like it was a parody news show. Yeah, um, he did a lot of stuff. He moved to London. He's done very well for himself. He's done like four specials with um, the BBC um, and uh, lots of comedy specials and massive tours. So you go to you go. He's to- a good friend of mine. He's got a ranch in Montana. Does he? Really? We went and stayed at his ranch in Montana. Um, for the month of August, like two years ago, and I hit a deer uh, in the car, or just with your buckled fist? the front end of my <laughs> BMW, and that's why no one drives BMWs in Montana. <laughs> I, they tell me that after I hit the deer, we saw we saw Greg Proops when we were there. Me and Patrice sat in and watched Greg Proops, and we were blown away at how it was so such a different Where, hour in than in uh, and no in, in I've only been I performed once in London, but I performed in at Edinburgh. He was in one of the big rooms in the in the assembly halls, right? And he was in one of the big theaters, and we watched him, and he was seamless. Like I Greg's a master. I've I always loved Greg. It's so funny. I never thought I would have liked him when I was younger. I was like, nah, it's not my style. And then I watched him, and I was like, holy shit, this guy has not. He's literally just talking off the top of his head, brilliantly and hilariously for an hour. I was like, this doesn't seem like he's doing bits. Doesn't seem like there's any like. It seems very casual, uh, but. Patrice and I were in the back. Patrice was like, fuck, man, he's funny. Patrice was hilarious when I was with him in Edinburgh. He just kept uh, everything. He thought everything about um, Britain was stupid. <laughs> he used look to at it, talk. Look, pull out your coins out of your pocket. Look at this. Look how stupid those coins are. <laughs> is there any reason to have a coin that big? <laughs> look how heavy that is. Yeah. 
English coins are designed for you to get them out of your pocket so you can spend it. They want you. They don't want you to hold your money. They want you to be spending your money. <laughs> That's such a brilliant fucking. It was hilarious. Statement. He just he was so bothered by their coins. <laughs> everything and like everything. He's like. The crosswalks there, everything was stupid. Yeah, he was just like, "Hey, our system, everything in America is so much better than this." He had, he always had that look whenever you dealt with anyone from a different country of this, this disgust and disdain. Like, I remember listening to him talk loud. He, I remember going, "Priest, you know, you realize you're shouting at everyone." He's like, "They don't understand what I'm saying," and like, and he just would shout at people louder so they could. How do we get to the castle? And you were like, they speak English, Patrice. And he's like, they ain't listening to me. He was a funny, he was a fun guy. I'll tell you, man, Patrice and um, my wife and I, you know, we see, see a lot of comedy. And, you know, his, both of his last two, two specials, man, I'm telling and I'm, I'm a comedian. I see comedy all the time. I am, I am howling. I am like just screaming with laughter. Elephant in the Room. Elephant in the yeah. Room is one of the greatest comedy specials ever made. I, I would, I it agree. Was shot. I don't know whoever shot that. It was beautiful. And he approached it differently than a lot of guys approach a special. He came at it in his own pacing, his own cadence, and his, his the, the approach to jokes. The thing I loved about him is it was like he was telling you a riddle that he knew the punchline to, and he wanted you to guess it, like almost taunting a child with candy. I want you to know this before I say it. When he goes, uh, we judge women... Uh, based on uh, on on uh, on how cute they are and and if they're white, like, and he goes right. like, the "How long?" Girl yeah, thing? yeah, yeah, brilliant. Fuck, that was what was the name of that little white girl that went missing? And everyone's like, "Natalie Holloway," exactly. Yeah, exactly. and he goes, and then that same guy, Yon Vandersloot, he was killing bitches. That's what he did, and he did it good. And he killed the other girl. What was her name? The one in Peru, the Peruvian girl. And he's like, exactly. <laughs> I saw he goes, she was killed two weeks ago. And you guys, that big headed Peruvian bitch. <laughs> he was fucking he was so much fun to be around. It's like, you know, it stinks that it stinks that that, you know, a guy like that passes. But you know, I don't know. It's a shocker, I, man. I, you know I don't know. I, I, I feel like, you know, a guy like that. Yeah, I mean, everyone saw it coming. He had diabetes, and he was. Big, I guess, but, and like Amy Schumer did that really nasty joke at him at that roast. Yeah, but it's about like, it, we all joked with losing him. his feet or something. You know, yeah. I didn't realize it was that obvious. Yeah. But he did jokes. She did. She she made a joke about him losing his feet to diabetes, but that was material Patrice did on his last special about the, yeah. the doctor saying, "If you don't stop eating this way, you know, you're going to die." Yeah. So I, mean, I guess, you know, obviously it was some serious shit. It's hard to, you know, like I, I get, uh, I hate to reveal too much. Doctors will kill you. Dude, I get, I get uh, acid reflux, which causes like a sore throat in the morning. So I wake up sometimes and my throat's sore and I went to go get my throat scoped and the doctor's like, um, do you drink a lot of uh, beer and wine? And I was like, oh yeah, I'm a comic. I'm on the road. And they're like, well, you got to be really careful because, you know, that... What that can do is it can cause throat cancer. And I'm, in my head, I just go, I get that, but that's not going to happen to me. And then I wake up and, li- yeah, in the last two weeks, the last week, I've been waking up with a sore throat. It's allergies also add into it for me for the sore throat. Well, you know, they, they did say that AIDS took a long time to kick in. Yeah. <laughs> it might be the AIDS. It just showed From up. From high school. Yeah. A 
fucking Jennifer Stevens. <laughs> no, I didn't have sex with Jennifer Stevens anyone. I just had to come up with a name real quick. And so wait, you know what's so funny is Michael Michael Douglas said he got throat cancer from oral sex. I know. I wonder if that's yeah, true. It's a lot. Come on, that's guy. HPV. He just wants to know. He just wants everybody to know <laughs> that he licked a lot of pussy. That's an old. Yeah. That's an old guy hanging on. That's what that is. Uh, yeah, I think I got oral cancer from giving women so many <laughs> orgasms. It's just what I do. I mean, well, if Catherine Zeta Jones was yeah. your wife, I mean, I'm surprised he had time to stop licking pussy to do that interview. <laughs> I got pancreatic cancer. A lot of guys with big dicks get that. Like that's what I. It's <laughs> a way to go out swinging, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Big dicks get that. That happens. So, um, so, so you, you go to what got you to Amsterdam? Uh, I performed in Amsterdam and I fell in love with a Dutch girl. It's a fucking oh oh I thought you were gonna say the city. The city's fucking gorgeous. <laughs> oh yeah, and the city as the well. The city oh, is. The take yeah. take weed, take prostitution, take all the things that people go. Oh, that's Amsterdam. Take them out. That's nothing. Take that's, them out. The city. The is. Dutch people don't ever. They don't go to prostitutes. They're not yeah. smoking weed. Sometime you'll be invited to someone's house for a dinner party. No, but you know afterwards. And I love how Europeans. Stay at the table for hours. Yeah, you know when you have a meal with somebody. Yeah, I miss that. Here. And you know have, have wine, and you know sometimes somebody will pull out a little hash joint. But I mean, it's not people in Dutch society aren't you know hitting the weed pipe and the one hitter the way Americans are. What if that's and they consider happen? it very immature. You're either considered a tourist or a teenager if you're still smoking pot and you're like over thirty. Really. I wonder if that's going to happen here if they legalize marijuana, if my kids will grow up and be like... Yeah, loser. Yeah. It's weed. I mean, Dutch people are kind of taught that, you know, you're a loser if you're smoking weed. That's interesting. That's what everyone does when you go go to the Bulldog. It was like right across from our hotel where we were staying for that thing, and everyone was like, go to the Bulldog. Why? It's the most... It's the touristy one. Yeah. But we went to the White Dolphin. Uh, My favorite one closed, the Rokurai. The Rokurai? God, that was great. Yeah, I don't know if I. Yeah, it was great. It's artsy, really artsy, yeah. and I like decorated with things from India and Thailand on the inside. There was lots of comfortable pillows. And what do you miss about Amsterdam? Um, I'm, you know, the the, the art is just art jumping out of you every whether it's street art or just uh, the, the the advertising posters for shows. Just and just the city itself is a work of art, and. Yeah. Um, it's inspiring to live in a work of art and, you know, riding your bike. And uh, I, I love that the, the train is only four hours from Amsterdam Central to Paris North. Yeah. And halfway on the train between Antwerp and Brussels, the announcements go from Dutch to French. And it's just little things like that. I mean, just uh, uh, there's a soup store in Amsterdam that I love. It's a restaurant. You go in there. Amsterdam made me addicted to soup. I love soup. And there's a place there called Soup and Zo. They've raised their price a little bit. When I lived there, it was the heyday. But it's still great to go there. They, every day, they'll have like 10 different kinds of soups. And then... Like, is it soups the way I'm thinking about soups? Like soups. Like navy oh, bean? No, 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 no. They go seasonal, too. They only do, they only do split pea in winter. Really? And... <laughs> And then, you know, and then the ethnic influences like Moroccan chicken, chickpea, and, uh, but it's like, you know, at Baskin Robbins ice cream, you know, you can sample the ice cream. You can do that at the soup place. Oh, um, could I, um, could I try the potato Roquefort, please? Uh, and then you get a little thing. Oh, oh, let me try the, the, whatever, the, the, 
coconut lentil, whatever. Uh, and, you know, there's, there's nothing like a putting your face over a nice, hot bowl of soup in the wintertime in Holland, you know? Oh, yeah. They, I totally forget that it gets cold as shit there, too. Cold as shit there. It doesn't really snow. And it's right it on the water. bad, but they've only like two winters I was ever there, they... I never saw the canals freeze. That's something of global warming. Because the canals yeah. used to freeze and yeah. people would go ice skating. And so Hansel, now and, it, Hansel and Gretel. Not Hansel and Gretel. That, that hasn't happened. Hans Christian Andersen? Possibly. I don't Is that know. the story? He skated on uh, one story I when I was a kid. slaves. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, you're right, you're right. Yeah, that's what it is. Fairy tale dude, right? Hans he was a Viking, he freed the slaves. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, he was our third president? Yeah, 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 yeah. Him and Grover Cleveland. Yeah, they, they, was, they were in ice skating. That was what it was. And they got tuberculosis from drinking at a Boy Scout camp. The, uh, that's, I don't, that's, someone, that's someone's history somewhere. I think it's FDR. He drank out of the canteen and he got to whatever. Anyway, so, no, uh, that that was the story I remember when I was a kid was that they had wooden skates and they'd skate uh, yeah. on the yeah. on the on the creeks, not the, on the rivers canals. and Amst- canals in Amsterdam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the amazing thing about Holland? They never heard the story about the little boy saving the village by putting his finger in the dike. People in Holland don't know that story. I'm like, you're kidding me. Every American knows the we story. Just know the story. Do you know the story? Uh, no, but I, I think I was thinking the of the boy. Porn. There's a whole, there's a, there's a whole, a leak in the dam, and some little boy puts his finger in it, stops the leak, saves the whole village from flooding. I've never heard that story. Never heard that story. No, is it a Dutch story? It's like no, a little fairy tale that I, I heard as a kid. Yeah, Apparently Dutch immigrants brought the story, and I think Coca Cola invented it. <laughs> maybe Coca Cola invented it like Santa Claus. What? Oh, <laughs> Coca Cola invented Santa Claus. No, they didn't. Yes, he did. Yeah, they did. Yeah, no, the, they did. The, our image of the Santa Claus in the white, the white and red suit with the long beard. Was a Coca Cola creation in like you know 1905 on a no fuck advertising campaign? But uh, Sinterklaas, he was a he was from Germany. He was a saint. Saint Claus. I forget why he's a saint, but uh, in Holland they celebrate uh, December fifth, Sinterklaas, and that uh, Saint Nicholas. That's it. Yeah, yeah, but it's uh, uh, that's it, Saint Nicholas. Um, But it's where they get Sinterklaas from, and. He's basically Santa Claus, but not as fat, and he looks a little similar. He's got a beard, yeah. Um, but he wears like a kind of a pope hat, and uh, he's got a big uh, walking stick. And instead of elves that help him, he has a little black friend. Oh, I've Pete. seen this. I've and seen this. It's, and it's it's, it's, it's also black Pete. It's highly like it looks highly racist. It looks really racist. He's got yeah. red, big red lips. I know exactly. But yep, and he's got a big white collar, and he's got he's a black face with a big black red lips. Peter. And the thing is, if you're like, you know, when we grew up, it was, I mean, this is like our parents' generation. They would say, if you're bad, you get a lump of coal in your stocking. In Holland, if you're bad, Black Pete will take you to Spain, which in a country that is cold and rains all the time, going to Spain doesn't sound like a bad idea. With a black dude? That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Black Pete's going to take you to Spain. I'm sorry, Dutch people. (laughs) We're going to Ibiza, bitches. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) With fucking Wiz Khalifa. (laughs) The uh, Dutch people will d- defend Zwarte Piet to the death. Zwarte? That's black in Dutch. Okay, yeah, because that smells black like Piet. Zwarte Schwar- Piet. Schwar- what's, what's the well, Jewish yeah, one? The, German, the Yiddish comes from yeah. Germany. Oh, okay. All that's right. why German and uh, Dutch, um, those words are similar. Um, 
They you should say, do a podcast he's called not, Let's Get Cultured. They say uh, Tom Rhodes Radio, free on iTunes. Let's Get David. Cultured. I love your podcast. Thanks, man. Oh, right. well, don't we'll even get me started. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep going. Um, but anyway, they they say he's not. Ra- it's it, he's his friend. He's not his slave. And I say, well, why does he do all the heavy lifting? You never see Sinterklaas carry anything. It's yeah. always the black friend that's carrying everything. And then they say, no, uh, he's not actually black. He got a black face from coming down the chimney, yeah. and it's the soot <laughs> from the chimney that makes his face black. And I say, no. Because he has big white collars. If he come through the chimney, his collars would be dirty too. <laughs> his whole outfit would be covered in black. Is this big, he's got these big white collar around his <laughs> neck. Good I've, I've seen pictures of Black Pete. Is it Black Pete? Yeah, it's Black right? Pete. Yeah, I've seen pictures of that and I saw it and I was like, that is super. There's something about, um, like, I don't know what it is, but like when you, like, especially like the, there's a, a, a stop if you drive up to, uh, to, uh, what are the what? Are, uh, where's um, the big? Uh, just north of here, it's the big rock, uh, the big waterfalls, and oh, is, is it Yosemite? Yosemite. Yeah, if you drive up to Yosemite, you never been a, to Yosemite. We've, I've been with the girls a bunch of times, um, but when you drive up, there's one stop where they sell like cheeses and and ice creams and wines. It's like a it's like an old school rest stop. Solving. Nope, uh, it's just above that, um, and it it has uh, uh, Anderson's pea soup. Nope. Uh, but I have a great answer. I love Anderson's. I love. I love Anderson's pea soup. It's a good yeah, fucking yeah. pea soup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so no, it's above that, and it's it's uh, it's like more near um, more closer when you get there. But the thing is, is it's old school. It's a old school rest stop where it's like this is right out of the fifties. Everyone's in old maid outfits, and they're making the ice cream and making the fudge, and yeah. they've got cheese Paris there. It's French. It might be. I, I don't know, but. I remember losing my mind because I went into the bathroom and I saw all these old racist ads mm-hmm. where it's like it's like guys in cartoon blackface mm-hmm. and and they're selling like N word grape soda mm. and you're like you're like whoa and I literally <laughs> I got so like like almost like I was seeing porn I was like what the what is this shit it's yeah. right on the wall. And I was taking pictures of it, going like, like, and then I was like deleting the pictures. Like, if anyone sees this, they're gonna think I'm a racist. But it's, but it, that that old school, yeah, all the advertising from remember, eeny, meeny, miny, mo. It wasn't, it wasn't catch a tiger by the toe. Yeah, we, you know, like, uh, Leanne and the, I were, the, the, the yeah, that wasn't that long ago. Uh, Leanne and I were talking about this, and, and you, you grew up in Florida, and so we had the same, like, uh, the same um, etymology. The word, the word was used more as like, uh, I have a joke. I, I never. I, I used to tell, but I can only tell it in Florida because it only works in Florida. I, we were living in an old. Uh, we were living in an apartment building. My wife was running the apartment building. There was a black dude named Antonio, who was my wife. Like he was the maintenance dude. He ran all the maintenance, and my wife ran the billing or whatever. So they worked together, and he used to come to our apartment and hang out. We watch Monday Night Football and start drinking. And uh, like at five, my wife would be livid coming home at fucking five, and Antonio and I are drinking, watching Monday Night Football, and so. <laughs> One morning, I'm taking the girls to school, and Antonio had written a note inside the elevator. And it's and as I'm as I get in the elevator, I go to read it, and he opens the door. The, the door's about to close. He stops it with his hand, gets in. I got both my girls by the hand, and I'm reading the note. And he goes, "Oh, all right. Oh, so as you know, some kids in the neighborhood, they've been getting a little ding dong and ditch, like trying to describe the note." And I go, "What's that?" And he goes, "Some kids in the neighborhood, they've, they've been getting a little ding dong and ditch, so as you know." I go, well, "What's that?" And he's like. 
oh shit, you never played Ding Dong and Ditch when you was a kid? And I was like, I've never even heard so of that. You ring the doorbell and you run off. He goes, well, you ring a doorbell and you yeah. knock on a doorbell and run away. And I said, oh, we played that. And he's like, what did you call it? And I was like, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> nothing. <laughs> we called it nothing. <laughs> and then he started laughing hysterically. He goes, fuck you. I know what you called it, motherfucker. <laughs> and I was like, that was part of like growing up in Florida in the <laughs> South in the 70s and 80s. <laughs> Here, well, just, here, I was trying to yeah, here, wait. We'll put our mics down. <laughs> is it so? That word is so volatile now. No, I don't say it. Yeah, I, don't yeah. say I don't even it. say it. I don't even. I don't even sing it. N-word knocking is what they used to call it. Do you know what the? Please don't make us tell you what the N-word I is. Say, I don't think I know it actually. But uh, the ding dong ditch, uh, more or less refined people used yeah. to call it N-word knocking, where you where you ring someone's doorbell and you run. That's what he's talking about. That's why it's so funny. That's what. Oh, I see. Yeah, okay. <laughs> he's like, "What'd you call it?" It's the funniest part is, is yeah. And so uh, Antonio was like, "He goes, I just heard that because he put the note up. He goes, I just heard that for the first time today." Mm. And I was like, "Really?" And he goes, "Yeah." And I, he said, that's, "That's just fucked up." And I was like, "You never had heard that?" He goes, "No." And I said, "Well, what did you guys call it when, you, when your your car would break down and you'd fix it with a coat hanger and a piece of tape?" And he was like, I called it fixing the motherfucker. And I was like, well, that makes sense. <laughs> so like that, but that, that word was kind of like, it was a word that like, I grew up, I grew up in a, of, I would say rich for poor people neighborhood in F- Tampa when I was very young. And I remember hearing that word get thrown around all the time. And You're I from and, Lutz. Yeah. Yeah. I was from a very redneck area of Tampa. Florida. Yeah. Well, Florida's- I don't know if Lutz was like this, but in Oviedo where I'm from. Um, they now Oviedo's changed. It's grown. It's big. It's expanded the area. But when it was a small town, when I grew up there, um, there was a um, railroad tracks went through the middle of the town, and <laughs> or actually Division Street. Division yeah. Street cuts through the center of town, and it's obviously called Division Street for a reason because white people lived on one side and black people lived on the other side. Yeah. It's usually like that in the States, right? Well, like old southern towns, that's the way it was. That's the way the South worked. So was Lutz like that? Uh, there were no... There, the the black people in um, in Tampa... And I, and I, now, I'm, I'm speaking from my point, my experience, and I obviously anyone who lives in Tampa now is going to have a different experience, but I grew up in the 70s and 80s and 90s in Tampa. 70s and 80s in Tampa. The, um, the black people lived on one side of Nebraska. Nebraska was like the or Florida, Florida Avenue and Nebraska were like the two st- streets that pretty much divided it and it was like all the white people lived uh lived I guess uh west of Nebraska I'm trying to think uh South Tampa and North Tampa they lived west of Nebraska and all the black people lived east of Nebraska and that's kind of how that worked and then what happened is Tampa expansion kind of started growing out the northern east parts of Tampa, the northeast parts of Tampa, and now from what I from what I understand, it's a lot more racially integrated than when I grew up. When I grew up, I mean, you got to remember, like, I mean, like I went to Florida State. Florida State was a town where there was a black school and there was a white school, and you did not like there was no when it was FAMU uh, spring like uh, FAMU homecoming weekend. Literally, you were warned by everyone to leave the town. 
And they, they were like, you got to get out of town. It's going to be crazy in here. And I remember pulling in one night. It was a Sunday night. This is right after the Rodney King. I mean, this was a different lifetime ago. I mean, it feels like this isn't even real when you talk about it. Because now I, I feel like this doesn't exist whatsoever. But I remember pulling in to uh, Tallahassee down Tennessee Street. And uh, FAMU had overtaken Tennessee Street. And they were... And in Tennessee Street was like where all the bars were, and it cut right through the school. And you did not, you didn't even cross Tennessee Street. You just, but they were standing in Tennessee Street, and they were pulling people out of their cars and beating them up. And I remember being like, oh well, that's what, but that's where race relations were right around the Rodney King thing, is it was like, it was like just absolute chaos. And uh, I mean, go ahead. I remember sometimes in Florida, like, High school football games always. Oh, there's a rumor of there's going to be a race riot. Yeah, it was always like it was always riot? like that was some don't go there or something like. I remember like people would. I I can believe people speaking cautiously. I remember people, you know, oh somebody's planning a race riot. Yeah, <laughs> going to attack white people. What was this like? Eighties. 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 Yeah, the eighties. I, I was in. I remember when so we close. when we played. That never affected me because I always thought I was black. So. I always thought I was black too. I was obsessed <laughs> with black dudes. I was like, you know what I was like, when do we start punching <laughs> white people? Was <laughs> <laughs> there a memo? I remember. There's a lot of comedians who say that they grew up being feeling black. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, you know, hip hop music crested when 2020 did a documentary, did their piece on breakdancing, and hip hop music and reggae music were my music. I remember being embarrassed to listen to listen to them in front of girls because I wanted to be into the Smiths. Although I did like the Smiths and I came around to the Smiths, I wanted to be in the Smiths and the Culture Club and like Susie and the Banshees and like, but I just did not dig it. I dug hip hop and reggae, but and I would play it like off to the side so no one knew that's what I was listening to. I remember meeting a bunch of dudes from Robinson. Uh, the one I remember the most because I still see him is a guy named Efron. And Efron, I used to drive into uh, uh, across over across the tracks in Nebraska, and I'd drive in and I'd pick up all the black dudes in my Fox. I had no fear of like, I, and then I had no fear. I was like, "This is where my friends live. Pick them up. We take them to uh, like white parties." And it was just, it was oh, it was so I don't know. It was it was a very different time. It was like back when Rob Bass. You remember Rob Bass? Joy <clears throat> pump. I can't. You can't even sing songs. That was your on. big like party guy at Florida State, right? That's yeah. how you got your. Oh, that, that was high school, but yeah, then I got became the party guy. Sweet. My sister went to Florida State. When? Uh, I forget what year she graduated. I told you that. My sister, yeah. My Florida, my family loves the Seminoles. Really? Uh, and can we address the Florida Florida State Gator versus Seminole thing? Yeah. How do we expect the Jews and Palestinians to ever work <laughs> it out if Florida and Florida State can't get along? They're in the same fucking state. Yeah. There was a story. I don't know if you remember this. God, I don't know, maybe 89 or some shit. I was home for Christmas. There was a story in the paper, and it, was, it happened at a department store in Jacksonville. Oh, oh, oh. This kid... Department store or a Kmart. ...is wearing a Gators shirt, and the Santa Claus, he, you know, the kid, you know, at the mall, and the kid sit on the Santa's lap, and they tell him what he want, they want for Christmas. And the kid tells the Santa what he wants for Christmas, and Santa looks down at him and says, Sorry, kid. Santa doesn't bring presents to Florida Gator fans. And the kid got all, the kid got all upset, and he cried. And the, the kid's dad wanted to speak to the manager of the department store. So the manager comes down, and the father is angry 
and uh, the manager says to him, but it's true. Santa Claus doesn't bring presents to Florida. Oh, Their football rivalry was so fierce that they didn't mind breaking this little kid's fucking heart. I, when I go to do Florida now, and I say stuff like, uh, like uh, not that I've ever really, I don't think I ever address it much, but I will say, if a story comes up, I will say, well, yeah, I went to Florida State, and you hear people boo. And I'm always stuck with this, like, guys, we're grown-ups. Like, I'm 40 years old. I have no connection to the rivalry right. whatsoever, let alone this knee-jerk reaction to boo when I simply say a place where I just be like, oh, you're from Florida. I, it's funny, too, because you'll meet, like, an agent from Florida, like, they go into Florida, and you'll be in a meeting, and, and you'll, he'll be like, you're from Florida. I go, yeah. And he's like, oh, I went to, I went to Florida State. My boss, Andy Singer, who runs Travel Channel now, uh, was like the guy he worked at DIY. He gave me this man cave, and he was like, "This is this is you want to talk about rivalry?" <laughs> he goes, "Oh yeah, we'll do the man cave. We'll give you the man cave, but there's going to be gator shit everywhere." <laughs> you see those three f- alligator heads? Hilarious. They were put oh, wow. right up front. That was the one caveat is that I had to have the gator heads in there. And I was, but in my head, I, I think it makes for a better story. I'm like, yeah, fuck, I put the gator heads in. It's awesome. Well, you're yeah. from Florida, I like it. Yeah. So, um, so okay, let's go back to you. So, you're in Amsterdam. All of a sudden, you become the David Letterman in Amsterdam. I don't know if people know this about you. Do you think people know this about you? I don't know. I don't. I'm not as well known as I would like to be. Really? And I, I'll, I'll become a Gator fan to get on the Travel Channel. <laughs> I got no problem. <laughs> so we switching family affiliations. <laughs> so when did you when did you become like how did that happen? That was always one of those things where it's like the the folklore of the story is probably usually better than the story, but it's like yeah, Tom Rhodes is like the most famous man in Amsterdam. He's literally the David Letterman of Amsterdam. Well, I mean, it's uh, I wouldn't say I was the most famous person there, but it was, um, and it is a hell of a story. I moved there for this Dutch girl, yeah, and we were together for two years, and it didn't work out. And I was just about to move back to the United States. And these people from this Dutch television network were looking for an American to do like an uh, American late night talk show. Yeah. And they saw me in a comedy club in Amsterdam and they gave me the job. And I was just about to leave the country and I had fallen in love with this little country. And I got to stay uh, three more years and be on television. I did the the late night talk show for two years and then I was a, a presenter on a travel show. For uh, one year, so you did the talk show. The talk show was based on the fact that and this is, and this is once again more folklore than it is probably fact. But it was based on the fact that they'd bring in these famous, famous Dutch people, and you had no idea. I had who no they, idea who they were. That's, <laughs> that's where a lot of comedy came from. Was the yeah. fact that I didn't know who the fucking people were. And did they prep you much for them, or were you just like they would? I would study, but that was a, a great comedy card to play. Yeah, when you know um, that you don't know something. Uh, about them but i got to film it was it, dutch people are very hard to get to know they're very stoic people they're hard working um they don't instantly they're not like americans they don't warm up to people instantly and make friends easy so the fact that i had this show it was like everybody in the country knew me i had this magic passport to the country oh, and my great. favorite part of the show was every episode i got to do a five-minute film where i would experience something of dutch culture one day I spent with a Dutch farmer. I walked into an electric fence. He said, look out for the electric fence, but I don't speak Dutch. And, you know, I was Charlie Chaplin. Oh, electrocuted. that's great. I was given a <clears throat> tour of the red light district. 
by a former prostitute that does like a lot of social work for the the prostitutes, helps them pay their taxes and get health care. And I was explained the sex industry. Uh, I was given a tour of the gay Amsterdam by the guy that runs the the gay parade. Is that the blue lights? Uh, no, that just is a, there's a great, vibrant. I mean, it's you know now the the, uh, the world has become more gay friendly. Yeah, Amsterdam was the spot in Amsterdam. You know, really. Um, the, the 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 long history of you know being benevolent to Jewish people and whoever um, throughout Dutch history. That's another great thing about Holland. But I got to cover the prime minister debates with a press pass, and I'm on the floor talking to their most important political leaders. And, you know, we had politicians on, we had writers, um, you know, a lot of Dutch actors and actresses, uh, Tenacious D, I, they came, I showed them around Amsterdam, that's on YouTube, me showing Tenacious D around Amsterdam. Really? And uh, Steve-O from Jackass came, he stapled his balls to his leg, because on Dutch television you can show anything. The only sure. censorship in Holland is you can't, I can say I like beer, but I couldn't say I like Heineken. But oh, really? you could show all kinds of stuff. God, Where so in the funny. States, it's the opposite. You can't show all kinds of stuff, and it's all about I love Heineken. Yeah. Uh, that's so that's so interesting to look at it that way. Hey, babe. Hey. We're talking about he. Uh, Tom had a show in Amsterdam for three years, a late night talk show. And we were talking, uh, are you going to come out and hang out, or are you in and out? Come on in. Sit down. Sit down. Yeah, have a glass of wine. Is that where you met your wife? We met in Holland, but it wasn't. When I had the show, because Dutch people are unimpressed with celebrity. The fact that I had the television show... That makes a lot of sense. I mean, I met sense. her afterwards, because I still... I was doing a nice little uh, a little run of theaters in Holland at the time. And she was working for an expatriates company, showing... Uh, they did different events for these expatriates that lived in The Hague. Leanne, sit here and use this mic. And it, it doesn't happen if you're not on mic, okay? So uh, the okay. fact that... Uh, so when we met... I was attracted to her, obviously, for obvious reasons. But um, she thought, oh, he's just some TV jackass. You know? Wait, did you know him from TV? No, never met him. Never never seen no, a show? No, and it is actually it was my first stand-up. Uh, she had never seen a comedy show. Oh. It was in a theater, though. You know, it's not a, like a comedy club. Yeah. But yeah, it was the first time ever. Yeah, that's... F- so, now, so now, out of all the people that you interviewed, who do you look back and you see on TV today and you're like... Shit, I had, like you know what I mean. Hmm. Well, it was mostly Dutch stars, you know. Like, but do you see any of them today? Did you get uh, Jean Kavlandam is from Brussels? By no, the way, he's from Belgium. Does, no, he's yeah. He's Belgian. Oh, really? Belgium. Does everyone hate Brussels? No, no, I hated Brussels. Oh, the town itself. No, Antwerp is far better than Brussels and uh, Ghent. Bruges. Everyone talks about Bruges is a great tourist spot, yeah. but Bruges is a little touristy. I'd probably like it. I like Gent, the movie in Bruges. G E N T uh, is is as beautiful as Bruges, but it's there's no tourists there. I, I could I could live in Ghent or Antwerp. Really easy. I got Brussels. The train station freaked me out. It's got a real like members only jacket, tight jeans, kind of slicked hair, like Vaseline in their hair, kind of vibe of pickpocketing and. <laughs> Like I just every time I go through that train station, I'm and I've been through that train station a lot. Oddly enough, <laughs> very recently I've been through it like a lot, and I just every time I'm there, I'm like, get me out of this fucking place quicker than I got here. Like I I'm and it's I think it's because I'm American. I I had a big you know Leanne and I traveled through Italy together, 
and we went to uh, we went to Rome, and I had had anxiety attacks. It's the big American thing is that public transit is not for guys like me and you who were groomed in places in in Florida where public transit just doesn't happen. I love public transit, and you know we now you do now you do yeah now for when you first cities. used it yeah. do you remember the anxiety oh of course am yeah. I doing it right do I stand do I sit do I hold right. on to something right, right am I getting pickpocketed right. how do I get how do I get through here do I have to buy a card or a coin in Paris wow, in Paris the subway used to have a latch on the door this little spinning latch I remember the first time I was in Paris and we got to my stop and I couldn't open it I'm like open the door open the door open the door and like somebody just very casually yeah. flicked the thing and the door opened yeah. and I felt like a oh my god what a hayseed oh I look so, back uh, I look back why Rome. the fuck would they have a latch why can't the door just open <laughs> it's like Patrice with the coins how yeah. stupid is this Patrice had a theory that the English made their coins so that you wanted to get them out of your pocket so you'd They're spend money and heavy and it's cumbersome. such a brilliant fucking insight did he ever use it on stage because I might use that Mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna edit this one out. <laughs> we, I was not drinking when we went to Europe. I flew over sober, and uh, this was like a big like. I, th- when I tell a story, by the way, the fish was a hundred pounds. Just so you know, <laughs> I had been not drinking for about eight months. Oh, look who's going to a mic all of a sudden! Oh, <laughs> look who's showing up with a mic. For clarification. It was three weeks. Uh, hold on. That's Eight fucking months. incorrect. Wow. That's, that's a big Leanne, fish. Leanne, Leanne, Leanne. Three weeks. That's it's a not, big It fish. was not three weeks. Leanne, I had not been drinking since we broke up. November. It was not November. No, sorry. That was uh, October. Was it? Oh, yeah. Yes. October. Because I was sober for my birthday. Yes. And we went to uh, Europe when? Uh, right after Christmas. So, so two months. Uh, two but months. not Eight. Three weeks really is was closer two than eight okay. months. So we went to, I was sober when we went to Europe. I didn't drink on the flight over. We played uh, gin rummy. Yes. And and I and then we got there and I was totally fine. And then uh, and I went to Rome and we went through the Rome subway stations I and that. I had a full-blown anxiety attack. Like so bad. She had to draw a bath for me in one of those Roman yeah, baths. Those little tiny little little yeah. tiny bathtubs where you're you look fat as shit because you're all curled up. And I had a full blown anxiety attack and then we went to Venice and in Venice I was like she could see that my anxiety traveling was so bad, she was like I remember we were at dinner and she goes, please have a glass of wine and calm down. And we I had a glass of wine and I was like <sighs> And then we got lost walking the streets of Venice. It was beautiful. I think it was snowing then. It was gorgeous. We had such a great, great fucking trip. We woke up the next morning and we traveled like Lewis and Clark together. We really did. We had a. It was an absolutely great, great trip. One of the, my best trips to Italy, and I've been to Italy three times in the last year. So, we love Rome. We've been there twice in the last couple of years. We went there last summer. Make sure you talk in the mic because I know people want to hear you. No, 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 no. Talk into it. We went last summer and uh, to combat the small. Hotel bathtub situation because the first time we went to Rome together, we loved it, but the hotel we had was really mediocre. So uh, we were in this new habit of uh, renting apartments. That and we is rented the an best apartment. way to travel. It was great, and so we're in. We had a. We were just a few blocks from the Vatican, and uh, oh. you know we had our own kitchen because I Europe, love that area. By in, the way, in Europe, it's, there's a great shopping street there. Yeah. Uh, there's great grocery stores. 
we had a, a wonderful kitchen. You could see the dome of St. Peter's from our bedroom and our living room. And then also it was on the top floor. So we had this roof balcony to ourselves. Oh. And you're looking out on the, you know, the rooftops of Rome. I'm having my coffee to start the day. Oh, there's and, no better way to start your day. There's and, no better way to start your <laughs> yeah, day then, than like a pope. <laughs> uh, and uh, you know, in, in Europe, they don't do breakfast the way Americans do. Huh? You know, you find a croissant or like you know some uh, you Nutella, know, Nutella, or you know, <laughs> a little thing of yogurt. Uh, you know, if you're staying in an apartment, I man, you know, we cook up a feast for breakfast like we do. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> that is the best and then way. go and attack it's... the day as a tourist. You know, it is. Uh, that is God. You know, I want to. I want to talk to you. Um... And we're really into art, and especially Caravaggio. We you were there Caravaggio? for our, we no, were there for our anniversary. Oh, tell me, tell me. I said, please, Caravaggio was this hothead lunatic Christian in the 1600s. His paintings are have really, he, and he was four, uh, 60 years before Rembrandt, and Rembrandt is heralded for his use of light. But this guy's lighting in his paintings, it looks like the way Hollywood movies are lit. Really strong like the lighting will be on one person it just it's beautiful and he he killed a guy in a duel and he just he was he, badass he was a badass he he had a temper he would fight at the drop of a hat but he did these like breathtaking scenes from the bible and the guy was a really strong christian believer but uh just just a badass like a rock star dude and so we went there we took a private walking tour of caravaggio and it cost like 200 euros. And I asked the woman, because it was a company that did different walking tours. And I said, yeah. how many people do the Caravaggio tour every year? She goes, well, you're the first ones this year. It's like, <laughs> and, and we knew everything about Caravaggio, the paintings and everything. But it was, it was great, good to though, yeah. hear the woman explain it again. But she took us. We started at the Villa Borghese. That's the, the, it's in the central park of, of Rome, the big park. That was the Borghese's family's. Yeah. house and property at one time and <clears throat> that's where Caravaggio some of his best works are uh, and then also the sculptor Bernini and then we went directly to the churches that had the Caravaggio stuff in it oh, wow. and then um, and those churches... we ended in what's the uh, Piazza di Fiori Campi di Fiori Campi di Fiori right Campi near Fiori. there is where he killed the guy and then that's where the tour ended so we did that the first time we went to Rome so then we went there uh, last summer, and then like, oh, we know the churches where his stuff's at, so we yeah. just went right back to those. Those churches have such a uh, such a um, uh, this is the wrong word, I'm sure, totemic feeling, like such a larger than life. Like she went into, I mean, the Vatican obviously is the Vatican, but she went into the Vatican and within five steps was crying and was yeah. like, and you right. just and I, like it, you don't have to be yeah. a religious person. To, Italian churches, I mean, Rome, the churches make American churches look like pizza huts. Yeah, they really you know, do. Flimsy stucco wall just couldn't Especially handle a tornado. Here. Especially out here. Yeah. Which is out here. Not good. Into the mic, Leon. Into the mic. Now, um, I like it. Yeah, and I, you know, um, I flew my mom over and uh, took her to Mass at the Vatican. You know, oh. Rome is awesome. We never went to Venice, though. We were in, uh, we were in Rome. I went to Venice, oh, yeah. One of the coolest things I did was a, uh, was a scooter tour. Her name is, and I only say this because it is one of the coolest things, and I do say you should do it. Uh, I want to say her name's Annie Scooter. Um, damn it. Fuck. 
What do you mean, like a scooter service in Rome? She takes you on scooters and tours you around Rome on scooters. So cool. you get that vibe of the hardcore Italian traffic and you and you literally and she shows you all the things you need to see in Rome. I mean you drive like she takes you around on scooters and you feel like you're in you feel like you're you're ankle deep in the ocean. Does that if that makes any sense? I'll find her name real quick. But um the other cool thing that we did was her on Twitter it's scooter o ma tours. Scooter O M A T O U R S Scooter <laughs> It's Tours Oma Tours Scooter Oma Tours And it was one of the coolest things we did We did it on Trip Flip And it, it was We had such a cool time Because you get this like You're excited You're almost in the fight You're you're weaving through traffic And you're like Hey Everybody move over And everyone's yelling And you feel like you're <laughs> Roman for the day It was one of the coolest things The other thing we did is uh, One night drunk Like the whole crew We're in a taxi and we're driving, and I I knew where we were, and I was like, I was I told the cab driver I was like, take us to the Vatican, like drive through the Vatican at night. It's beautiful. It's all lit up. You see the flags, and yeah, you see everything. Yeah. It's so gorgeous, and it's like it's like look if you're only there for if you're only there for a layover, extend your layover, stay the night. You gotta see the Vatican in the day, but. God, just driving through at night. You what is it? Sundays. Is, Rome what at is night it? is beautiful. Rome at night is incredible. It but really what is. is it? Yeah. For the art museum at the Vatican, it's free what? The first Sunday every month? Oh, Here's the so. tip. Yeah. Here's the tip. And the first time we went there, is it, it April? the best tip. April, because yeah. it's the week of our anniversary. Uh, April 22nd is our anniversary. April 21st is Rome's birthday. So for that entire week of April 21st, every year, all the museums are free, including the Colosseum. So the first time we went to Rome, and then it's also great because it's not summers when all the tourists are there, and then it's much hotter. Uh, in spring, it's perfect. The, the temperature's perfect, and everything's free. Yeah. Uh, but then when we were there... The, so it's not busy. It's not busy at yeah. all. There's not long lines to get in. So now if you would recommend me to take Leanne back over to Europe... And and I would ask you guys as experts, where is one place I should take Leanne that's romantic, fun, like we can have a lot of great like couples? I would like to see more of Greece. I only went to the island of Rhodes because it's got my fucking name on it. I'm Tom Rhodes, motherfucker. Do you have any idea how many beach towels and keychains I bought on, on the island of Rhodes? I'll tell you one thing. You know, it's it's at the at the entrance of Rhodes Harbor, at Rhodes City, on the island of Rhodes. Yeah, where the Colossus of Rhodes once stood. It's the entrance of the harbor. It's not that wide. Maybe that'd say maybe the length of your property. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know, half, half a football field. I don't know. Oh yeah, we probably have a couple acres here. I mean, I don't know what. <laughs> All right. Or I don't know. Seven thousand feet. <laughs> it wasn't that wide, but I thought I went there. I was there by myself, and I thought, "I'm Tom Rhodes. My name means a lot to me. Yeah. If I swim naked, the length of the entrance of the under where the Colossus of Rhodes once stood. Now there's yeah. a, two columns, and there's a deer on the top of them. It's a weird. That's their thing now." So I had to wait until like four in the morning when these teenagers on mopeds finally fucking left. Yeah. And I had I sat there and I drank a six pack and you know Do you probably understand? not then I'm not a strong swimmer anyway. 
But I thought if I swim naked the entrance of of um, of uh, Rhodes Harbor that maybe my dick would get bigger, uh, <laughs> my jokes would be funnier. Like yeah. I would gain some kind of superhero power. And I was it was great going across coming back. I was like doggy paddling, and I was thinking, <laughs> oh shit, this is my Jeff Buckley in the Mississippi moment. Um, Do you understand what I'm saying though? When I said that to you earlier, that me and you. Despite whatever stretches of sobriety we have, despite whatever stories you may hear, despite however it may come out the way we hear it, we are gentlemen that will always find our way to a bottle of wine at some point because we're romantics. The way we see the world, we're romantic. I believe the way you believe. I see things. um, when When I was in Italy, I was sick as a fucking dog. And I was, the recently, this is the most recent time. But I, but we were on the, uh, we were uh, in the um, Adriatic, and I thought to myself, I don't know if I've ever been swimming in the Adriatic, and I was like, I gotta get into the Adriatic. Like there was a thing in my head going, I need to be in the Adriatic. I need to be in the Adriatic with a glass of wine. When I was in Jamaica, I was like, I need a red stripe, chest high, and watch the sunset. I gotta be in the water. We're romantic. So what drives a person like Leanne crazy is to see a romantic try to live everyday life where you start I but that what that what you said, like I need to swim under the thing. Yeah. I'm gonna get a six pack of beer and I'm gonna do it. it maybe it'll make my dick bigger or whatever it is. It's the fucking thing that create that guys like me and you find our strength from. It's it's that. You know, it's like it's the, when like when I do a podcast with say Marin, I go, hey, yeah, one thirty is perfect. We should do a one thirty, because I know, I know, I know Mark, and I know the second he walks in, he probably is looking at his watch to leave, and he's got a he's got a two thirty. You and know, I, with I, me, you're gonna make a night of it. When when I said when I said t- when you texted me and you're like, hey man, I'm in town, let's chat. I go, let's podcast, and I literally said, I'll Uber you here, I'll Uber you home, I'll get the wine, I'll get some cheese. No one's ever done my podcast where there's cheese and candy. Really? You did this just for me? Are you fucking kidding me? I've never, but, but that's because we share that same kind of cloth of dudes who we see the, we see the world in vibrant colors. We see the world as a glass half full and we want to take a sip. There are, I'm not saying, I'm not using, I'm definitely not using Marin as an example of the opposite of that, but, but, because I've got what Mark has too. I've got the neuroses. I'm, I'm, I, I have a lot of both of these sides, but like, uh, like that night that we were at the Ice House Chronicles where I was like, I was like, we'll take you anywhere. It was not because I, I was looking at you going like, oh, you've had too much to drink. It's because I go, that's me. And in that moment, I want someone to make, I want someone who is a brother in that lifestyle, a brother in that, in that way of thinking to always have my back. Does that make sense? Yeah, perfect. By any stretch of the means? Yeah. Can I tell you a little story? We were, um, Having dinner at uh, sunset in Rome, and I turned to to my wife and I said, "I love the way the sunlight hits the buildings in Rome at the end of the day." And she goes, "That's the most romantic thing I've ever heard in my life." And I go, "Yeah, Bill Murray said that in Groundhog's Day." <laughs> <laughs> Remember when he keeps living the day over and over, yeah, yeah. and he's trying to impress the girl? Yeah. <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> you should have claimed it. <laughs> She probably never would have known. She had no idea. She's like, oh my God, that was the most romantic thing I've ever, ever said. <laughs> You're always going to be a comic at heart. <laughs> as beautiful as you paint the picture, you're going to put a dick in there somewhere. <laughs> oh, that's so fucking funny. So no, wait, where do I take Leanne? I want to take Leanne over to Europe. I want to take... I'm, I love I love Paris. 
Yeah. I, well, you you grew up in Europe. Yeah, I would say Rome because I love it so much. I, I love Paris. Paris is my favorite city. Is she, Rome is her favorite. Paris, Paris. Uh, she's 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 turning me around. On, dirty though, you know. I but Rome is has certainly captured my heart. Well, it depends. What do you, what, what do you guys like? Do you like art? Do you, do you like beaches? Just hang out? Or I would love to hear Leanne describe I like just... what I like. <clears throat> what do you think now? If, what do you think I'm a fan of, Leanne? Uh, everything in life. I took a. I, I spent. <laughs> yeah, I'd spent two weeks in Sevilla, Spain. Uh, I'd like to see more of Andalusia. I think Andalusia is really sexy. It's at the bottom of Spain, and um, I think it still depends what what they like. You know, if, do you like just go on the beach and do nothing, or, or you grab like the mic and talk ex- into it to make sure? Or do that you like exploring the city? No, no, we. I, I like say, exploring the city. I don't know if you like Leanne's Leanne's, Leanne's a, a seventy year old aunt at heart. She has she has fanny pack. You're the one with the fanny pack. No, but I'll wear I the fanny pack, fanny pack. But like but Leanne's like Leanne's a doer. She gets up in the morning, she oh, has her coffee, okay, yeah. her cereal, and she's like she's like like you, you can almost see like life breathed it, breathed into her when she goes traveling because she gets excited. Like when we were in Amsterdam, I mean she or not Amsterdam, uh, Australia. She could not stop like the the smallest things. The robe. She kept going. This is the greatest robe I've ever in the hotel. This is the greatest robe I've ever worn in my entire life. I love this robe. Yeah, I love yeah. this city. Like that. I like that. That's yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way Leanne looks at is at travel is like everything's a new experience. She grew up in a town of what twelve hundred people, fifteen hundred people, eighteen hundred people. So you know, I remember the first time we went to when we when we went to Italy first time when we went to Italy. Her grandfather was like, um, "Why would you go?" Abroad, why would you go over to Italy when there's so much stuff to see here? And, and, <laughs> and which is which is the mindset of of I would say a lot people, people from her hometown. I grew up with, yeah. But well, you can no see, no one ever goes anywhere. I never took a vacation. We went to the lake, <clears throat> like 15 minutes away, and that yeah. was it. I had never been anywhere until I went to Italy, and I was 31. Mm. Wow. Except Georgia, and I lived in New York. I just kind of left and moved to New York. But traveling as a tourist, never been anywhere. She's also the kind of person that, uh, like, the idea of traveling gets gets her excited. She doesn't care about, like, the first class. Oh, I don't care. Oh, just put me on the plane. I'm just excited to go. Like, I'm yeah. the kind of person that's like, uh, how much upgrade to business class? <clears throat> like, um, you will, you will, yeah. I've, I haven't. I'm a diva. I fly a lot, really? though. For the record, I fly 250,000 miles a year on American Airlines. You do American, only American Only American. Airlines? I am... I'm we a, talked about this. You and I have the same credit card where you get points on American. Yeah, I love American, but I'll still fly. They're the I, they're my priority, but I go with other airlines. If I it's only fly flexible. American, I will I will make my I will rearrange my schedule to fly an American plane with an American crew to London and not British Airways. I will fly British Airways on the way back because the seven forty seven is a fucking gangster ass plane. But, I love and British I, Airways. British Airways is pretty amazing. I really like British Airways too. But and, and that's part of the One World Alliance and I and I will stay when that I will always stand that one world alliance. And I will fly British Airways, <laughs> but I will go out of my way to support my company that flies me domestically everywhere I go to make sure they keep, you know, stay above board financially. Wow. But but and and I will I yeah. well and they just merged with U.S. Airways which uh, U.S. Airways yeah. is my least favorite airline. You talk about um, cruel human torture. Their economy chairs. Yeah, Jesus Christ, it really. So is. anyway, hopefully they're getting rid of those U.S. Airways planes. But uh, I'll tell you a place I love. And I, when I on my travel show that I worked on in Holland, I did a highlight on it. 
uh, is the Champagne region of France. Oh, Yes, that is. Oh, okay. I mean, yes. It's an hour on the Someone train. Someone just perked up. It's on the. Tra- I feel like yes. we should open a bottle of champagne yes, at the end, yes, should we? Yes. It's Probably. on the. It's an. It's on. It's an hour on the train from from Paris, maybe a little longer. I don't know, but it's actually it's a four hour drive from Amsterdam. Before I moved back to the states, after when I was when I knew I was going to leave um, Amsterdam, I took an epic art trip. And the great thing about um, Europe. Uh, in not England and Ireland is that they drive on the right side of the road in mainland Europe. Really? I rented a car in Amsterdam and I just, it was all about art. I went four hours to, uh, right next to the Champagne region is this French town called Charleville, which is where one of my favorite French I'm, poets. I'm looking at the map right now on my phone. Where one of my favorite French poets, Arthur Rimbaud, is from. So I stopped in Charlieville, got off on Rimbaud, and then stayed in the Champagne region of France. And you can visit all your favorite Champagne. Uh, my, I, Vove Clicquot is my favorite, and they're based in Reims, uh, Reims however you say it. Yeah. Uh, and um, from there I went to Arla, where Van Gogh lived. And this is straight up road trip. Gauguin. Yeah, and that's in the south of France. And from there, I went to uh, Cadiz, where, uh, or however you can't pronounce it, where Salvador Dali's from. I went to the Salvador Dali Museum. Just, just for the record, this I find this absolutely fascinating. So I pulled up Paris, France, on my phone uh, to to try to, to try to figure out where you were. And I have on my iPhone, I have uh, show traffic. Take a look at the traffic in Paris, France, right now. I have no idea, but it is fucking slam-packed. Do you see all those accidents? Yeah. They're nine hours ahead of us, so they're they're having rush hour morning traffic right now. This is, it is yeah. slam-packed in Paris. How crazy so what, is it's that? It's like, uh, what, it's like 7 a.m. there now. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so we're talking about northeast of Paris or southeast of Paris? Thank yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, north, yeah, no, northwest, something like that. God, man. I'm going to go to Paris. I want to go to Paris, baby. Paris is awesome. I want to go to France. I've never been anywhere. Into the mic or it doesn't so you count? Guys, if you guys never been to Paris, you should, yo, you should really go. It's, it's really nice. I would love yeah. to go. I would love to fly into Paris. You can get crepes on the street the way oh, those they sell hot dogs in New York City. You walk around the Bastille area, which is like the Greenwich Village of Paris, and these little restaurants have these little windows where they're selling crepes. This is great. Just get a nice little... Hot crepe. My favorite part of France, no questions asked. I mean, I there's I've never seen anything like I've never seen anything like it. Maybe I haven't still to this day, but is uh, the south of France and Nice and uh, and uh, was it what Nice and what's the other Marseille? Big, Marseille is that it? Uh, oh, Cannes. I think we went to Cannes too. Nice, Cannes, and Marseille. Like, it was gorgeous. And I was in college. I was a meathead. And I remember going, holy crap, I could fucking live here. Like, this is, it was like everything's up on a cliff, it seems like. There's, everything's a walk down to the beach. The beaches are gorgeous. They're beautiful. It was such a great area that I was, I remember thinking, oh, I'm coming back. Never been back since. We definitely are going to France. When do you want to go? <laughs> when school's out? Friday? Oh, for the girls, yeah. <laughs> I would like to take the girls to France. They would love it. But you think you think a kid that's six? No. Like Isla? No, I don't think Isla would. They have good parks there to like with play structures. <laughs> then she'd be into it. But maybe in a couple of years. 
She would be she would be fucking unbearable in she Paris. She would be horrible. She would be fucking Doesn't eat crepes. Doesn't eat croissants. <laughs> yeah. No. no. She, she like a, what do you call it? Finicky eater. Picky eater. Oh. No. She's, she's, a, just, she's a weird child. Yes. She is a weird. What do you mean? She like, marches to the beat of her own drum for sure. Now, if she doesn't really see sometimes the bigger, like the beauty of France or the significance of France would be completely lost on her. Well, maybe you want to, you, she was telling structure. people today that I would that Just I had threatened. Perfect. She was saying t- p- today to people that I had threatened to tie her up naked on a surfboard and pour water on her. And I was like, I was like, excuse me. She goes, that's what daddy does if he gets mad. He ties us it up. surfboarding. Surfboarding. And I said, no, I threatened you with waterboarding. <laughs> I said I'd waterboard her. I said I'm going to waterboard her as a joke. But she's telling people I'd tie her up naked on a surfboard and pour water on her. I'm like, no, Isla, we cannot say that to people. I do not do that. That explains the cop car parked down front. Yeah. <laughs> she would, France would be extremely lost on the child who does not wear underwear and only wears cowboy boots. <laughs> she would fucking walk through. It's almost like the girl in, in that um, cool movie uh, that came out this year about New Orleans. Oh, uh, it's, uh, Beasts of the Southern Wild or something yeah. like that. Oh, oh, I didn't see that. I heard it. Didn't was see that. Cool. No, she'd walk around like Magic Mike. Like, just, <laughs> I see some lawbreakers in here. <laughs> she did. Wake, I did wake her up for school one day, and she had. So she was sound asleep. She had drawn a big brown curly mustache with <laughs> magic marker on her face. I said, "What happened? What happened?" She said she wouldn't talk to me. So Georgia, the share room, said <coughs> she got up after you put her to bed and drew a mustache on her face and put a beret on and went back to bed. I said, "Why'd you do that?" She said, oh, "I wanted to sleep in French." <laughs> I don't know if she really knows what that means. And she's a comedic yeah. genius. Oh, dude, uh, she's not this weird. Kid, yeah. Tom, she's a comedic genius. This kid'll artist in heart. Yeah. This kid'll say yeah. something. You can take it right to the stage. <laughs> Literally, you don't have to edit it. The best, the best. And I and I'm I've. If you've seen me in the last four months, I apologize, but you're going to enjoy this regardless. This was she was supposed to do proverbs. Okay. Proverbs are like. Teacher started the proverb and she was supposed to finish it. Yeah, she was supposed to finish it. I'm going to find it right okay. now. And so Isla did her own. These are her it's answers. I'm reading them from her test. Okay. The best. It started out. The very first one was better safe than. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that's how a proverb. The proverbs are better safe than sorry. Mm. Isla wrote spanked. Better safe than spanked. That's the way Isla's brain works. Two's she's, company. She's never been spanked, by yeah. the way. Never been she spanked. Doesn't really know. But she knows. Oh, yeah. it's 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 the way her Smart. brain sees the world. Uh, strike while the cat sings. It's always darkest before the sun. Comma duh. Uh, <laughs> never underestimate. <laughs> never underestimate the power of madness. You can lead a horse to water, but if a horse has too much water, he's going to look fat, and nobody wants that. <laughs> Don't bite. I apologize already for this one. Don't bite the hand that's brown. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows where she got that? You know something's wrong. A pretty little white girl come running to a black man's house. <laughs> <laughs> so if you lie, just, she'd probably just seen that on the news. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you lie with the dogs, they're gonna pee on you. <laughs> trust all, tr- love all, trust only cute animals. The pen is mightier than the crayon. An idle mind is playing games on you. <laughs> where there's smoke, there's a log. Uh, this is how you know she's my daughter. Two's company, three's a party. <laughs> uh, 
I love the ones that don't make sense. Like, uh, none are as blind as slugs. And you're just like, what? what the fuck? And then the last one's the best. Children should be seen and not touched. <laughs> this fucking kid wow. is like, you can, I literally take. Is she watching take... RTV? <laughs> Some, but. Wow. Genius. Yeah, she's, a, she's an interesting child. She's Smart, a, she's yeah, a. I don't uh, know who bought the cheese. He did. But Bravo. Did. You like it? Yeah. And cheese is, that's a oh, Europe. Cheese freaks. We love cheese. I love yeah, cheese. Now, yeah. now, oh, we love cheese. Yeah, love we cheese. love cheese. Now, can I ask no. you, is it, is, no. is, is living with a European in the States, like, almost like extended traveling? Because everything she's experiencing is now like, you do, you like, you like, she's got the curiosity, the hunger for travel. And you're in LA and you're like, oh, there's so much here. Like, like, yeah, no, like when I lived in Holland, I would go, when I'd be with Dutch friends, I would go, oh my God, look at that thing. And wow, look at that thing on the building, the statue or whatever. They go, oh, I never noticed that. I've lived here my whole life. Yeah. You know, a foreigner definitely sees things that other people don't see. But Ashton is also a photographer. So, are you really? She sees art in everything. Like when we're in Montana. She's, you know, oh, my God, look at that. And I'm like, well, that's just some shitty barn. She's like, oh, it's a beautiful photo. <laughs> yeah. Look at the sun behind it. And uh, we were in Houston uh, three or four years ago. We went to the Houston Rodeo. And I'm just, you know, a bunch of fucking guys in cowboy hats to me. She's like, art. And she just was like, I was like, come, was I was like, come yeah. on, baby. We got to go. And she's like, wow, fuck off. Click, 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 click. Yeah. yeah. She just went, went crazy. So, uh, so it's. I, I don't know if it's. Um, as a European, she's got an eye for things, but as an artist, she sees art and everything. That's a nice combo. Have you guys had? Uh, have you guys had? Have a, the, the biggest thing right now that's going on in uh, in the, in L.A. I think is this this next level Asian fusion food is just. I mean, and I don't know that if if that's because our best friends are Vietnamese. And that, so we're eating a lot of Asian food, but man, like pho, I took her to eat pho for the first time. She had never had it, and and it was like such a neat experience because Leanne is someone who's always willing for new things, but she's also very American in the sense that the idea of looking at a menu where she doesn't know where anything is is a little terrifying, a little overwhelming, where you just right. go like, Am I I'd get rather cat's just paw soup or something. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. but we had, I had something, and I still don't remember the, remember the name of it, but when we went to take a bow... And it was like boom, 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 Is that what it is? Something it's got like, like an egg on it. Have you ever had it? Mm-mm. It's got like a poached egg or a over easy egg. One of the best fucking meals I've ever had. Is this Japanese? It's, I think Korean? it's. I don't know. Taiwanese. <clears throat> Taiwanese. We were in Korea for, for the whole month of October last year and the food Korean. there was incredible. I lived in Koreatown Taiwanese. when I came back from Amsterdam. Did you really? Uh, and there was a pho place uh, around the corner uh, and pho, after, that's the best hangover food in the world. Oh, it you is. Put your face over a bowl of pho. And- Throw a bunch of fucking jalapenos in there. I, I I get I eat pho where it's so hot I'm sweating. Well, we were in Korea and, and we absolutely loved the food there. The Korean barbecue, what a feast! And then <sighs> I, I, I think the it, it's food. it's actually I think someone told us it's actually Japanese, but we had it a few times in Korea and I was crazy for it. Is what's it called? Shabu shabu. Shabu shabu. We had a Jesus shabu shabu place Christ. right around the corner from us. That was great when well, we lived did, over. You, in, you know a place in L.A. that does it? Uh, there was a place called Shabu Shabu. <laughs> really? At there, Hollywood and Highland. There is a place on uh, La Cienega, just north of... Um, 
Wilshire. And it's like the soup and you drop stuff yep. in it. And, oh, yep. Jesus. Oh, I love that. It's one yeah. of the things that I think is underestimated in uh, in relationships. I think what happens in... God damn it. I'm the dumbest person. I don't even know if that's the right sentence to be using. It's one of the things that I think is undervalued in a relationship is the idea of going out and learning a new cuisine as a couple and going out and exploring, say, Ethiopian food and saying, you know what? It's Thursday night. Let's make Thursday night our night where we go out and we try a brand new cuisine cuisine that we've never had. I want want Burmese food so fucking bad I can't even tell you because freaking Bourdain goes to Mianayan, Mianayan. Mayanayan? He goes to Burma. <laughs> it's now not called Burma. It's called something Burma. else because the English... Myanmar. Co- Myanmar. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, Myanmar. <laughs> there, was, there was one thing I liked about Amsterdam. They had re- restaurants of... There was a Burmese restaurant in Amsterdam that well, I would go to. Amsterdam is... And, and I, I will say this. Amsterdam's a place where, uh, say, I score big on the lottery or something and I just want to write books or, or do stand-up in my own little... little Amsterdam's a place I could live because they've got everything everywhere. Yes. It is such. It is what New York meant to be. Well, it's a miniature version of New wow, York. Wow, I love that. It's, it's, it's New York as a, as a little more like a village. It's like New York without the racism. <laughs> like New York, just there was just inherent racism in the 1800s when everyone started, 1800s, 1900s, when everyone started showing up. There was just this like Italians over there, Irish over yeah. here. Blacks up there. Well, and, you know, and New York is noisy, too. You know, I lived in New York twice, and both times when I moved away from New York, I would have to have somebody go out and lean on a car horn so I could fall asleep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's I, it's so funny. The noisiest city in the world. I moved. Oh, my. Why are we, why are we picking up trash at this hour? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Who the fuck? That's not true. Who the fuck why is are picking, picking up trash up at trash four in the morning? <laughs> wow, you so yeah. We lived above... A restaurant called uh, called uh, Poe, and next to, and and above a restaurant called uh, the Cornelia Street Cafe, and they had so much garbage because they were restaurants that they would. It seemed like they picked it up nightly. And I remember moving into the apartment and saying to my roommates, "Why don't you guys have the street side and I'll take the non-street side?" And they could not fucking sleep. But then you get used to it. In a weird way, you get used to it. And when I moved out here for the first time, I lived um, on the hills. Right above Hollywood and Highland, but I lived in the back apartment that faced the 101. Never bothered me. I could sleep like a baby with the doors open, listening to the traffic on the 101. Never fucking bothered me. I was like, oh, it's like being in New York. I loved it. As a matter of fact, I look back and now I need silence and pitch blackness. I'm like a cave. I need like a bear cave. You know, when you talk about uh, food as a couple and everything, I think I was also getting a little older. You know, when you're young and you're in a relationship, you just want to fuck on all the furniture. You get older, it's like, hey, you know, let's go have some nice meals. Yes. You, did, you definitely run through that one point at some age where you're like, I know that I've always thought about fucking in a kitchen. It's happening today. <laughs> I <remember> that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's one of the cool things. And I think nowadays every, every, every town's got is so diverse that you do have you can yeah, find you know, at least Korean barbecue that's, that's the iPhone technology man having a smartphone it's great traveling around now that she's with me uh, you know uh, I, I'll book things in blocks you know we'll do uh, sections of the country like a west coast swing or a south swing or Chicago and the midwest and whatnot. and she's always when we're driving around she's you know checking the restaurant reviews and you know we were driving through Des Moines, Iowa, a couple years ago, and uh, I'm uh, there. we found some I'm, great I'm Vietnamese there restaurant next downtown. weekend. 
I'm there next weekend. Oops. This will have already aired, so I can't promote that show. But well, there's a great Vietnamese you- restaurant downtown. Really? So she found it. Yeah, the iPhone technology has really kind of broadened It's great. We're palettes. talking one day, we're driving, and I'm like, we're talking about Guantanamo Bay and my government torturing people. And I go, I wonder what the top 10 torture songs at Guantanamo Bay are. She Googles it, boom. You know, less than a minute later, you know, we got the, the don't list. Don't tell us, don't tell us. Let us guess. The list of top 10 torture songs at Guantanamo Bay. This is technology. Number baby. one. Hold on, don't tell us, don't tell us. Technology. So they, you these wouldn't are guess songs. It. It's a, I'd never heard of it. Oh, it's a, really? It's a speed metal band called Deacy, Diacide, and the song is called. I think it's Diacide. It's called Fuck Your God. That's the number one torture song. That wow. must be a... So this yes, is... Wow. I, I was shocked when I heard that. That's yeah. kind of aggressive. And then... That's, and that's then cool. kind of aggressive? That's crazy. Well, and then it's surprising. It's uh, We Will Rock You by Queen and Don McLean's American Pie was another one. What was in... Someone, I was like, that's how lame our government is. We can't even get our torture songs right. I thought you were going to say something like, I love a parade. Something really bad. <laughs> oh, I should, love a parade. Can't be show tunes. That would be great. Exactly. And, and the the guy's name, um, David Gray. Is that his name? I love a parade. David Gray. Oh, yeah. Babylon. That that's song. one. David oh, no, Gray. Babylon. Yeah, Babylon yeah. is one. Oh, that is torture. Uh, don't, don't, uh, by oh, the way. I actually love that song. You do? Oh, yeah. gosh. I kill me a thousand don't times. Don't love it, but I love it. Yeah. I wouldn't want to hear it, it a lot of times 875 times yeah, in a row. Mm-hmm. Oh, you can't yeah, do that to humans, man. For, for that time, yeah. I would freak out. I just that stuff what like that. What song uh, would break you and give you have all give away government secrets? <laughs> but high volume, you know, repetition, repetition, high volume. Which um, for me, it'd be Boston. I can't stand Boston. More than a feeling. All that oh, shit. I like. I I could I could get into that. <laughs> um, I would give up all the government secrets for that one. I don't know. I, I, I could. I can <laughs> turn it off. I there's I there's probably uh, Garth Brooks. I got friends sticks, Mister Roboto. No, I could get it. I was that song defined me for a while when I was a child. <laughs> it defined you. <laughs> no, dude, sticks connected with me. That was the first time I realized. Oh shit, I like music. Sticks, fucking Rush. Ru- all those. Hey, bands. you remember you've lived in Tampa. Because there wasn't the, all the big concerts used to happen in Lakeland and in between Tampa yeah. and Orlando. Yeah, because they got the Tampa and Orlando people, and they would drive to the Lakeland Civic Center. Yep, I saw I saw Prince there on the Purple Rain tour. No, wait. Do you remember? Do you remember growing up in Florida? Do you remember uh, the American Dream, Dusty Roads? Dusty Roads? Are you kidding me? <sighs> I have wined and dined with kings and queens and. Lived in alleys off of pork and beans. <laughs> I he was the like the son trash, of a plumber. He was the white trash <laughs> Muhammad Ali. He was he had rhymes. Dusty Rhodes was a was a large. I'm saying you know who he is. Of course, okay. Are you kidding me? I'm, I'm gathering. Dusty Rhodes was. Uh, you, he was blonde hair. He was hair. WWF, right? No, mm. this was before they had or merged. WC. He was. No, no, no. See, Florida. Florida he was, was on the that the Turner Television. Uh, yeah. the, the TBS. Which he built his empire off of, which he which he started CNN from TBS, and it was all Andy Griffith reruns and professional wrestling, and then they also had the Atlanta Braves. They would play all the games and stuff. But like Man, late at night, so... oh my god, pro wrestling was awesome. Dusty Rhodes. So uh, this is what just so you know what he looks like. 
because he it yeah, just uh, he doesn't even look real. He doesn't look like a modern day athlete. He's oh, he was not. No, but he was. Uh, so this is Dusty Rhodes. This is his heart. Oh, this must be good. We should listen to this. That's because he's got a lisp. There's a. Um, he's got a lisp. Yeah, hang on. Let's let's. Uh... Yeah, he had a lisp. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is I would like to thank the many, many fans throughout this country that wrote cards and letters just to wrote the American dream while I was down. Secondly, I want to thank Jim Crockett Promotions for waiting and taking the time because I know how important it was. Starcade 85, it is to the resident fans, it is the Jim Crockett Promotions. He hadn't started preaching yet. Yeah. He's good, though. He's good at speech. He was great, man. Uh, you know, there's a good. Uh, he, he, there's a, he, they're in Florida. There's there's not many of them. I think some of them they closed a bunch of them. But Fye, you know that like uh, it's like a CD DVD yeah, store. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then they also sell used things. Uh, a couple Christmases ago, there's a there's a little Dusty Roads box set, if you will, and it's three DVDs, and one of them is a documentary, <laughs> and then the other two they've got his greatest matches, and then they show a lot of the. Uh, it's fantastic. And black people loved Dusty Rhodes. Really? He was you know, man. He, but I mean, he, he, he was. He, he's, he's like a black man. The way he, the way he, he talked. Rhythm, and yeah. He had a rhythm. He, he he did rhymes. Yeah. And he was constantly talking to the underprivileged people, being you know people out of work. You want to talk about hard times? Yeah. A computer took your job. Like that's so. That's so. That's the fear. Back then, in the eighties, was that uh, like computers Computer, would take yeah. over everything? Clearly, they have taken over some jobs. But, uh, but, God, man, I remember going to see him and like Wahoo Daniels and like old Florida wrestling. And you get a dude like Ric Flair would come in, and they'd do like the Sun Dome. Florida was big, big on on pro wrestling. And and when I started open mic nights, all the comedians loved it, and they would go to this yeah. Orlando. Uh, whatever it was, field house thing where they where Dusty Rhodes was really? there all the time. It was almost it was a black kitschy. Guy it was almost kitschy, like Tony Atlas. I know. Yeah, I remember Tony Atlas. Tony Atlas was great. Tony Atlas would get his ass kicked every fight. 
he's getting pounded. And then all of a sudden, his leg would start to shake. And he started, and then the crowd would go, hey, oh, you don't want Tony's leg to start to shake. And then he would start doing this like James Brown dance while he's getting hit. And then he once he got the James Brown dance going, he fucking then he would then he would overpower and beat the person. And then um, his leg was starting to twitch, and you'd see that as a kid, you'd be sitting, you go, oh my god, oh, oh my like, god. look at his leg, look at his leg, I know what's gonna happen. I was on a I I did uh, ninety eight rock in Baltimore, this uh, morning rock radio station, uh, and this is probably ten years ago. Yeah, and he was you know old then. I don't know what circuit he was working then, but he was. In there, you know, promoting his local wrestling gig. There's a kinship, no and way. I told him, I remembered seeing you. And I said, w- w- I go, you know what? The, the thing was, you know, back then the characters were more defined where you had good guys versus the bad guys. The where heels. teams in wrestling now, everybody's a bad guy. Everybody wants to be a bad guy. And he, uh, I asked him, and, and, and he's an old man, but he was very wise. He said, I think... Pro wrestling is a reflection of our society. And I think that there are more bad people now. And that that's what they admire. That's interesting. Wow. I, that's that's really profound. I, I've, wow. I feel like... And I said, I'm sorry, you're only making 300 bucks this week. <laughs> Tony Alice was like... You've been replaced by a computer. <laughs> Man, those, I love professional wrestling because it's theater. And you can spit on the actors. Uh-uh. <laughs> and they spit on each other. <laughs> she grew up in her family. It was called wrestling. Wrestling. Really? Yeah. It's hardcore. Wow. We you, and your, you lived in Holland. You and your brother loved wrestling. Yeah. We kinda, American yeah. wrestling? We didn't really love it, but we just, there was a thing that my mom kind of like, you know, showed us. <clears throat> And we were so young. And we were like, oh, my God, it's Hulk Hogan's mom. Oh, you'd get married to it as a kid. Go beware. Got his ass whooped. Oh. I remember uh, finding out that <laughs> Leap and Lenny Poffo was brothers with Randy Savage. Randy the Macho Man Savage. They were brothers. Uh, I don't know if that's right. Oh, fuck it. Don't listen to me quote anything. My, my <laughs> stats are so off. The um, But, like, uh, you'd hear folklore about, like, the Von Erich brothers. I reached out to uh, Mick Foley. He he was mankind on uh, WWE or WWF. I think it was WWE. He's a he's a yeah. hu- massively Something popular res- wrestler. And I reached out to him once. I had a dream that me and him um, were sitting in a field, and he was asking to be on my podcast. And it was I mean I was a wrestling this fan. Was a dream? Oh, it was a dream. Yeah, I had a dream. I woke up and I went. It was a weird dream. Mick Foley. I just remember seeing the big thick goatee in my. Uh, my dream, and I said, and so I tweeted. I said, "Hey, at Mick Foley, if you had the same dream that I had last night, where we were in a field, and you're asking to be on my podcast, the answer is yes." <laughs> and then he wrote back, "I did, as a matter of fact, have that dream, and I'd love to do your podcast." Wow! But it was like it's it. What's so crazy no, is really? that he is someone that fascinates me even more because who's Mick Foley? Mick Foley, he's uh, mankind. Mankind was probably most. Famous character, but he's a huge, hulking man, like 6'7", 370, just a beast. But he lived back in the day when those dudes would go to Japan to make their money. or like, And, and they had these barbed wire matches and light bulb matches or a thumbtack death match. <laughs> and they would bleed that out. That sounds painful. They would bleed out. And I remember getting hooked. A friend was like, like 
uh, we were talking about wrestling. There's like, screw whatever's going on right now. What you got to see is these guys when they go abroad and they're either at the beginning of the car- their career or the end of the career or they're going to make more money and they go to Asia and they do these hardcore blood matches where – No holds barred. It's, well, no, it's, it's, it's Asia. So there's no like – like there's – and I'm, I'm just spitballing here when I say there's no rules. But there's no fucking rules. And they bleed like they – they're – I, I saw one of them online, and it was I was like, "Oh shit! I'll be watching this all night in my hotel room until I get my fill." And I got obsessed with that. With and so Mick Foley's one of those dudes that would go to Asia and do like these thumbtack death matches where they would fall, like they'd cover the whole. Uh. I mean, just when you think about it, they cover the whole mat or the whole outdoors with thumbtacks, and they'd throw them nine feet off the top onto the thumbtacks, and they'd be covered in thumbtacks. I know, but I'm dying to talk to him about that. I'm dying to talk to him about about I, I, like I'm 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 a diehard wrestling fan as a child to the adult. I don't watch it now. I think obviously, I think you yeah, outgrow I, that. yeah I don't yeah grow at a point, but it defined I, me at a time in Florida at a certain period in the South, and with TBS was you know on the basic cable package. Yeah, you know it, my family. I don't know. You probably you're a little younger than me, but when cable first came out. There were these boxes, yeah, and there was a little uh, knob. And a, you could a open dial. the back and put a card in the back. And you no, could... <laughs> you could take a butter knife and put it in the top in the slot. Yes, above the dial, and you could, and then you could get all the movie channels. Oh, and every white trash uh, friend of mine, you go to their house, and the the butter knife was half sticking out of their cable box. Our boxes, you could see all the channels. Our boxes were open in the back with a white card in the back. That's how you did our boxes. You'd open the back and put a white card in the back. And then when you got to college, we were next level gangsters because we just, the guy would come in and go, how much do you have to give you to give us all the channels? And he'd be like, hundred bucks. We're like, done, son. And then you get all the channels. You get all the pay-per-view. You get everything. God, that was like, oh, I remember when I, did you, did you live in a life? We'll go around the room. I, you're, I guess this is, I don't, I'd love to hear your answer, but I, did you live in a life when you had three channels? I did. Well, there was four. Well, there was four, four channels. Yeah, there yeah. was a UHF. Right. And then three VHF. Yeah, I remember the four channels. Now, did you? No, 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 not at all. Yeah, no. and my dad would sit in the. I used to do a joke that I think um, the American Family is is a lot like Star Trek, because the most important guy sits in the biggest chair, telling everybody else what to do, <laughs> staring at a big screen TV. Yeah, right. and that was my dad sitting in the Lazy Boy, and you know the kids were the remote control. Change the channel. Oh, I remember not having remote controls. I remember not having. I remember the remote control that was actually attached to the television with a, by a cord. I remember having that. What one. that exists? What yeah. you grow up in a cheap motel? Wait a minute! <laughs> I don't want you to steal the. You're not that old. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm. I'm 40 years old. That's, no, no, you're young. I'm 40 years old. Mean? Yeah, and I remember the first remote control we had was actually tethered to the TV. And I remember thinking, "Holy it shit!" It was wired. Wired. You this like you don't have to get up and walk to the. Oh, this is amazing! And then, at the same time, I remember cable was coming to our neighborhood. We lived in a neighborhood. We lived in a really poor area of of loots. Which now I hear that I'm like, well, I wonder how bad it was now. Like I'd love to go into time machine and see just how bad it was. But yeah, uh, yeah it would be cool, huh? Um, but we um. And cable had showed up, and then my parents bought a house, built a house in a maybe nicer area of that of Lutz. 
and uh, and in that nice rare area, cable wasn't around yet, and so we went back to three channels. And I was like, motherfucker, I've tasted the I've tasted the nectar. I can't go back to three channels. What am I going to watch? Channel forty four, channel eight, channel ten, channel thirteen with the channels. That was it. And then twenty eight showed up, and I was like, oh, they showed Foxy Boxing at the end of the night, <laughs> which was like straight up nudity. Quite honestly, I mean, it was what I used to masturbate, like Foxy Boxing. Do you remember when ESPN first came? Wait, wait a minute, what is Foxy Boxing? It's hot it's only something boxing. I. It's just hot chicks boxing, and you can see their. Tits. I remember when cable came to Oviedo, and it came neighborhood by neighborhood, and I remember there was like. You know, a couple neighborhoods over got it before we did, and we would all go hang out at uh, on the other side of our neighborhood. We'd go to Michelle Rankin's house and watch MTV and drink Pepsi Free. That oh, was like the drink. shit, Pepsi Free and MTV. Is this VH1? I remember the eighties. <laughs> this is I, it was exciting. Uh, but do you remember ESPN when it first came on? They would show weird sports from around the world because they didn't have the licensing from. The baseball or NFL or anything. I can tell you where I was the day I heard about MTV. And my buddy Chris Suarez, we were by my pool, and we were walking. He goes, yeah, you know, they're doing a, a station that's just going to be just music videos. And I was like, uh, okay, let me get this straight. <laughs> You're telling me they're going to let us watch music. We're going to see it? And he was like, yeah, they'll do like movies for it. And I was like, okay, sure, that's going to last. I was, I am a not insightful motherfucker. <laughs> I, t- I said the same thing about email when they were like, "It's not going to last." Yeah. <laughs> I remember our teacher saying, it's our- "Easily communicating with people all over the globe, it's not going to last from your phone." Yeah, wow. I, they yeah. were like, they were like, they were like, "It's so interesting." Yeah, today's class, your only job today is to go home. Class is over. Everyone, go home, and I want you to the paper you've written me that you were all reading right now. Stop. I want you to go home, and I want you to email it to me. And I remember sitting in the class going, what the fuck is he talking about? Someone's like, email it to him. I go, I don't have a fucking, I don't even know what that is. And they're like, we all got email addresses by being students of Florida State. Go to your email address. I go, I didn't get one. And he goes, no, we all got one. We all given one. And I go, I don't have one, though. I never got it. Like, did they, are they, I think they you're my sister's you? age. I remember my sister went to Florida State, and I remember it. Everybody at Florida State, it was like before it was common that everybody had an email. Yeah, and they were like, and I go, how do I get this email? And they're like, go to the page, log in. I go, log in? What, is it, what, log, what are we talking about logs? <laughs> like, like, this is so before... Where the, there's smoke, there's a log. Yeah, where there's smoke, there's a log. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> am. And so then I go, I go, all right, let's hypothetically say I can get onto my email website page. Then what I do, and he goes, well, all you want to do is you want to cut and paste. I go, stop right there. I'm going to, how do I cut? A doc, how do, what do I don't get it? And he's like, highlight it. And I was like, how do I highlight it? And he was like, you got to, oh, Jesus Christ. And I was like, I remember seeing it, over the kid going, this will never last. This is so complicated. You're not giving a good commercial to Florida State University right now. <sighs> you should have read the article. <laughs> I gave a worse one in the article they wrote about me. <laughs> they, I was fucking, they did not want me to be a part of that organization. They were, the, it's to this day, I'm always shocked. They called me though recently. You want to hear something weird? There's the Burt Reynolds theater there there's never going to be a Brett kreischer uh, they rock um, climbing wall what I, I will before <laughs> before that happens i will buy uniforms for the team and make them wear my uniform for a home game that's the burt reynolds biggest gangster move really yeah he bought the, their burt, uniforms one year he bought uniforms for them because they were like kind of broke down and out and he bought uh gold on gold it, they looked like fucking 
that you had to wear sunglasses to watch a game. It was Goldham who's just like, like but Burt Reynolds bought them, and I went, if I ever make it, like make it where I can drop, you know, whatever hundred, I don't know what uniforms it would cost. I was like, I will definitely buy my own one game uniform for the team and make them wear it for the team. Horrible way to spend money, by the way. But uh, the uh, what was Especially I going to say? Step over a starving child in India to write that <laughs> to, check. To write, to, to <laughs> buy ridiculous uniforms for a team. I don't really necessarily follow that much. Go Just so go. everyone goes, did you hear what Bert did? <laughs> you, I didn't even realize that side of it. Um, uh, no, I. Uh, it's so interesting. Uh, I got a call from Florida State very recently. I'm going to the club to do a show. I was in uh, Minnesota at the Mall of America, and this girl calls, and it's a it's a Florida it's a not four hundred seven but eight eight hundred five maybe I think area code for Florida for Tallahassee, and I'm like I recognize it and I go oh it's one of my buddies it's like Hartley or someone so or Eddie so I answer it and I go hello, she's like hi this is Jennifer from Florida State is this Mr. Kreischer and I said yeah she goes hi Mr. Kreischer, um I'm here for and she does this like spiel but it's very uh guided that you can tell she wants to talk florida state's got the number one theater program in the country like one of the top my sister went there yeah and and it's very guided that you it's clear she knows what i do i do and she wants me as a contact for younger students and and she's like so yeah you could you i can i can sense it and i'm and i'm like and she's like so what kind of what line of business are you in and i was like uh Entertainment, interesting. I'm, I too, as an entertainment. What, 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 what side do you do? And I'm like, honey, I'm on fucking TV. Like, it, like, flip Google, on the TV. Google bitch. my name. Google my name as an alumni, and and like, you're not. She's not asking for money. She's asking for contacts. And I went, and I wanted so badly to be like, fuck yeah, any kid from Florida who goes to Tallahassee and wants to get into the entertainment business, it's such a daunting task to grow up in Ovita and go, fuck it. It's the same feeling you have when you go to that open mic or that one night where you do for 150 as a host. And you're like, I'm in the business. It's a great fucking feeling. Going to the bar as an entertainer going, can I get my two beers? And they're like, fuck yeah, good job tonight. And you're like, I did it. I fucking made it. It's it's a yeah. great feeling. So I, I totally was like, yeah, I'll help out anyone. And then, of course, I had a big timer. I was like, listen, I'm walking into the show. It's sold out. I would say one of the hardest things um, about being a comedian is keeping a straight face while you're being paid. <laughs> you go I would have done this for free <laughs> I have done this for free <laughs> this, I'm shocked that they're paying oh, and you guys are going to give me free drinks too oh my god this, I'm definitely coming back <laughs> you're going to give me a check and then free drinks all week I am definitely coming back are you in my are you in my group that I feel like there are certain comics that that you go to a club and they're like, uh, yeah, it's a two drink. Every comic gets two drinks, but after that, you got to pay. And then there are certain comics that go in and they go, uh, it doesn't count for that guy. Are you in that group? I'm definitely that guy. That's me too. Definitely that guy. <laughs> you go in, they're like, yeah. yeah. Normally they make them pay, but you're cool. Because it's like you tip well, you're fun to be around, you party with the wait staff. Like, awesome. Yeah, yeah I just yeah. had that in New Zealand. Yeah, we just yeah. spent New Zealand. We, I did the comedy festival in Auckland and I played at the classic. It's the, 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 the only. Uh, comedy club in New Zealand, and the guy that runs no, it's really Auckland. cool. Well, in all of New Zealand, okay. <laughs> it's the only, uh, it's the longest running comedy uh, club there. Really, and it's where all the comedians congregate after the festival shows and everything. And then the and they the the bartender girl said, "Yeah, there's oh, comedians only get one drink, 
a night, and the yes. the, well, guy you, that, yeah. the guy that ran the place was next to me. He goes, uh, not for this guy. This guy just yeah. whatever he wants. You were the you were the reason. Like we were in, when we were in Amsterdam, it was me, Push, Tom, Christina Pajinski, Tom Segura's wife. I call her Push. Me, Push, Tom, Hannibal, uh, my film crew, uh, Pete Johansson. It was yeah. a big group, and we did a show at a. A, a underground comedy place. It was. I just know that you had to walk downstairs to go there. And oh, Tumler. We had Tumler. Tumler. And uh, and Tom. That's where I got discovered for that late night talk show. And we. And go, that's the club that first brought me to Holland. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. But uh, we go in and the show gets done. And Tom gives. There's a like a. There's a. Uh, it's not a comedian nod, but if you hang out with comics long enough, there's a nod where you go where they're kicking everyone out, but it's like that's not us. And Tom's like, Tom's like, that's not us. And I was like, really? And he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And so <laughs> all of a sudden, everyone's out. And they're like, all right, is everyone gone? But we're still standing there. And we're like, yeah. And he's like, all right, bar's back open. Yeah. And we just started drinking again. I love again. that. Yeah. And Tumor yeah. does that. Uh, uh, yeah, they pretend like, I love when clubs do that. They'll pretend like they're closing until they get the civilians out. Yeah. And then they act like they're just about to lock up. And then, all right. All the way stops counting their money out on the table. They come out. They hang out. I remember, yeah. uh, all I remember, and I say this. Uh, I, maybe I shouldn't talk out of school. Ah, fuck it. Whoever cares. Hannibal Burris. Someone lit a joint. And Hannibal Burris took old Southside Chicago hits off of it. And I go, I go, Hannibal. I think that's. I, Tom, I remember you going. He's taking bit too big a hits. <laughs> shortly thereafter, <laughs> Hannibal thought that my film crew were paparazzi and chasing us and tried to ditch them. And I was like, Hannibal, they're friends of mine. But yeah, Hannibal went out there and he said, I thought it was really dangerous on his set. He going, Well, the first thing I learned in Amsterdam. Is that prostitutes won't fuck black guys, and I was like, God, that's you know, I mean, even yeah. if that happened to you, why would yeah. you share that with people? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, some things are best left unspoken. Prostitute I mean, not, won't fuck not black every, guy. Not not everything is a comedy <laughs> routine. Punch. He's just talking about. <laughs> just, I remember seeing it on the show. Yeah. That, was that his joke? That was. I think that was his opening line. That was his opening line. Oh, oh, that makes me like him so much that's, more. That's people would say, like, no, that's not true, you know? Well, that was his opening line. I mean, you know, <laughs> why? <laughs> I learned prostitute won't well, fuck black guys. And when you jack off and put a Heineken bottle up your ass, it feels better. All right, next joke. <laughs> like, wow. just, just real just real talk. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, Hannibal, I had a good time with Hannibal. I get a kick out of that guy. He's a funny motherfucker, too. He was someone who featured for me in a club in uh, feature for me in a club in uh, in Chicago in a club on the south side of Chicago. It was an all black room, and he had a rough hit a rough set. But I remember sitting in the back going, "God, that guy's funny as shit." And I was like, "I'll you know how you do that? I'll hear I'll hear about him again." But then really, you don't really believe it. And then all of a sudden, they're like, "Yeah, he's I think he's working for SNL." And I was like, "Motherfucker, I gotta start working. I gotta start writing." The uh, yeah. he's a good guy. Um, all right, let's get back to the interview. So, we got. I, I'm so all over the map with when it comes to talking to people. I feel like it should be an organic conversation, and I feel like it is. Um, I would love to. I'm doing something. I'll talk to you about later. Now I'm definitely been drinking. So, you leave Holland. You're certifiably uh, a television star there. You decide you're done. You come back to the states. What's it like coming back to the States after succeeding in a, abroad, succeeding in the States, succeeding abroad, and then coming back and going, 
oh shit, I've been out of this circuit that is now well, the improv. You know, a certain percentage of clubs that I love that I play once a year, Atlanta Punchline, San Francisco Punchline, Chicago Zanies, yeah. um, you know, the Ice House. Uh, there's places that, you know, Acme in Minneapolis. I, I would still go play those places. But when I came back and I, I was living in L.A., the places like the Improv, uh, certainly, I, I they used to be my bread and butter in like the 90s. Yeah. Um, when I had, you know, loads of television and everything. But it, it was it was... It was hard. To, I had to get in the back of the line, uh, in uh, in in some clubs' eyes. So, so it was a, it was a, it was a little difficult. But I, I, the whole reason I moved back, I didn't want to be forgotten in my own country. Yeah. So, um, and I'm a lifer. I never, you know, it's like whatever, another obstacle. Um, but uh, yeah, it's I, you know, had to prove myself again to a lot of people. And I was living in L.A. for two years. And I was paying, I was in Koreatown. The first year I liked it, it was a funky, weird place on Wilshire Boulevard. Um, a friend of mine lived in this building. And I had, uh, this, the, I was on the third floor. I had roof access uh, to this, uh, only out of my apartment, you could crawl out the window. And the entire roof of this mini mall next door was my beach. I, and I bought a big um, uh, AstroTurf swatch from Home Depot. And I put yeah. lawn chairs out there. But also, me and my friend would go out there and hit wiffle balls for like hours. Really? And if you got it, you know, then there was a nice wall where it was a dramatic home run. But loads of foul balls went off onto Wilshire Boulevard. <laughs> um, but I was never there. I was there only half the time. And I thought I'm paying rent on a place I'm not that crazy about. And I just threw everything into storage. And so for it's been seven years now. Haven't lived anywhere. Just hotel, hotel. We rent apartments. You know, we did the two months in Europe last summer. We had a week off. We went to Rome. October, we were in Korea. And then I did this comedy festival in Jakarta, the beginning of November. And then we went to Bali for two weeks. Uh, depends where we're at. Like, we really love going to Austin, Texas. There's a, uh, we love staying at the Austin Motel. There's like three rooms right by the pool. Right across the street is the Continental Club. I play Austin a lot. Yeah. So we love going there. We love going to New Orleans. We'll go stay in New Orleans for a week or two. I love New Orleans. Uh, and then, and also Key West, if we're... Uh, Key West so is we got, one of we got little, we got, I wish there was a comedy club in Key West. Home, I love Key West. We like to, we like to Let's go... Let's do that. Let's do a comedy club in Key West. Oh, yeah. I'll invest in that. I'll, do, I'll invest in that. I'll invest in it. Leanne's Come right. On, Le- know, right now, right Leanne's there. like, we don't have the money. <laughs> I, I love Key West. Key West is one of my favorite cities Key West in the country. needs to be cool again. Yeah. It's too expensive. Though you can't buy property there. Um, even and like a tiny fisherman's wood hut is like five hundred thousand. It yeah. It doesn't have. I mean, I love that they have the drag races uh, down Duval Street every day, where where drag queens run. It's drag races. They do, yeah. yeah, there's still the and cool now, game vibe, have- but they lost the art. Cool writer vibe. They need. They need. They need. They need an infusion of cool. It. 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 it uh, the one thing that absolutely disgusts me. And I as this. Floridians, they should make a uh, state artist grant for They're you and I to open a club there. Fuck yes. One of the things that disgusts me about Key West, and we did this. I wrote this in my book, but we when we went, we you saw a, a couple. I'm in the middle of it. Let's just Atta let's boy. just say it's well. We'll see. It's, Marin said it's like getting an incomplete in college. You're never really done with it, and it just hangs over your head. And I was like, that is the perfect example. But um, so <laughs> we, uh, 
we went to a place for our honeymoon, and we saw a couple come back from Key West, and it was the most disgusting vibes. They had gone to Key West, and they had bought uh, uh, Ray, uh, not Ray Bans, um, Revo sunglasses and Birkenstocks in Key West. That's wow. where they went shopping, and I went. I almost wanted to say things like that shouldn't be sold in Key West. You should have to get Kinos. You should have to get the cheap sunglasses that that you see the dudes who live there wear. Like it should be authentic to what it was. The sloppy the, Joe muscle shirt. Yeah, it should be <laughs> yeah. what Ernest right. Hemingway came there yeah, exactly. to find, or or or, or Roosevelt. Uh, like all the people that came down there that made that place what it is. You're right. You're totally right. And then um, Robert Frost lived there. Yeah, it, I love Key West. I'm a big. What do you get? I do too. It's my favorite place. We got married in Key West. It's my favorite place in Florida. You got married in Key West? It's the second time we got married in Key West. We had two weddings. Um, That's an interesting story. But um, I went there and I went on the ghost walking tour uh, one time. And there's a a place. It's called the Banyan Resort. It's this wonderful old... uh, And the, and the, the the ghost story there was... It was a friendly ghost, and he would just do silly things. Tickle and I remember being sleeping. on this tour, and I'm thinking, the next time I go there, I'm staying here. It's called yeah. the Banyan Resort. They're like, it, they've been made into ghost. timeshares where like people uh, uh, own them, but they're they're great little hotel rooms. There's two pools, and you got a little kitchen area. God, and, where is this place? Um, I want to go. It's is built. It's this old house built among these beautiful, beautiful Victorian Banyan trees. Buildings. Victorian house yeah. built in these. Uh, all these beautiful Banyan trees are around it. If you go there during the winter, it's like $400 a night. But if you go there, I think April to September, it's only $200 a night. And it's so expensive, but it's worth it because you have like great yards in, in, in the middle of it. Yeah. Beautiful with the banyan trees in the middle of the hotel. Huge banyan trees. Banyan trees are absolutely gorgeous. So we stay there. Beautiful, yeah. And they got bikes. And then, um, If you're listening to this podcast and you don't know what a banyan tree is right now, and you're like... What's a banyan tree? You got to step up your culture. You, you there's little, there's that. little things you need to pick up in life where, where it's just, it's just on you. It's not uh, you, and you go, well, fuck that. I don't want to know what a banyan tree is. And you're gonna miss out on life. There's little things where you go, shit. Banyan trees are cool as fuck. I want one in my backyard. It's yeah, beautiful. it's too bad they take thousands of years to grow. I, <laughs> I would plant them all over the place. You know how depressing it must be to plant a banyan tree and go, well, I'll never see this fucking come to fruition. <laughs> A few thousand years from now, someone will be glad this is here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to carve my name. You're welcome. You're welcome. Oh, no. yeah. <laughs> but we had two weddings. Uh, we we, got, we were going to get married on April 22nd. That's our anniversary of our first date. It's yeah. also Earth Day. First time we went to Rome, we saw uh, Ben Harper give a free concert in the Piazza di Popolo in really? Rome for Earth Day. So that's our day. And uh, we were going to get married. My sister, who went to Florida State... Laura Rhodes had uh, stage four breast cancer for four and a half years. Doing great. She was a champion, giving lectures to to young girls with cancer. Where does she, she live now? A, she's dead now. Oh, on uh, April nineteenth, they said she's got twenty four hours to live, and it was just a few days before we were going to get married. And I was really close with my sister, and I didn't want her to miss it. And she always wanted to see me settle oh, down. I heard this. So I we got this. married at yeah, the really Orlando cool Regional Medical Center uh, at her hospital bedside the day before she died. And uh, not a dry eye in the pl- place, especially me. I do. Yeah. And my sister clapped and she said congratulations to her breathing mask. 
Turned out to be the last word she ever spoke. Fuck yeah. all the television I've ever done. Every comedy special. That was my single greatest achievement in my life. To, to give my sister. And then it says a lot about my wife. That she would say, I said, you want to do this? Get married? And she was like, oh, yeah, totally. Let's do this. Yeah. Where I think a lot of women would have went, I'm not ruining my perfect day. Yeah. You know, but it was really, it was heartbreaking, but it was really beautiful. And I didn't want my sister to miss it. Uh, fortunately, we're Catholic. No priest is going to give up his one day everybody goes to church for Easter. It was right, Easter yeah. weekend. Yeah. Uh, so the it funeral wasn't until Monday. Because we weren't going to go to Key West because we had planned on getting married at Key West. Uh, what's the, um, uh, f- is it, what is it, Fort Andrew Jackson, Phil- Fort Zachary Taylor, that's yes. it. Fort Zachary Taylor. Which you is got a, a great fucking memory. Short like, I have the ride. worst memory as I got a world. I'm Wikipedia. I, I have a great memory, and I'm full of factoids. Um, it's a short bike ride from the Banyan Resort, like only about four or five blocks. It's very pleasant. And it's the nicest beach in Key West, and it's a military base. Oh, I know, you have yeah. to pay like a dollar to get on. I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking and about. And so we went there, and then they had wedding packages. They sell it. We're over like, I don't know, 5000 you get a place on the beach, you can get married. And they got it all cut up, but it's government property. It's like a national park. Yeah. And it's the nicest beach in Key West. Because there's a toll to get on, it's always... Uh, Spartan. There's not very many people there. Yeah, and um, we went there to to, to get married uh, like we had planned. We wanted to get married on April 22nd, and so you know we just had this emotional thing with my sister. And we go there, and we're all dressed up, and I'm in the suit. And it was Ashna's idea. She wanted to get married with our feet in the water, so we would be connected to the world. I love it. And we only had ten people my with us. My condition. mom, her mom, uh, a couple of my best friends, and you know my brother. And, you know, they were in like a little semicircle around us and we're, we're all with our feet in the water and everything. And then here comes this park service guy. Right. And he's going to shut down. No, they're not getting ma- No, they didn't book a wedding for thousands of... I can't get married. Yeah. And um, my brother's uh, wife who was doing the photos, she actually stopped the, the park ranger and said, look, you know, they're, his sister just died. They... They're not getting married. They're just getting the photos. She was like, whatever. And But he, she told him the story about, I think it was only because we had the sympathy from this guy that our my sister had just died. Yeah. And that we had this terrible. He let us lose. That, yeah. he, that he, the guy, he just, he let us do it. Really? But. How old was your sister when she passed? 37. Yeah. It's not fucking fair. No. Really young. Really so, energetic. Uh, That's not fair at and all. So I, I, and so I think you might have been at Florida State. I think you're a. I was, she, a, she I was died. just. I was just. A, I, mean, I guarantee we she probably died shared 2011, classes. So she'd have been 39 now. So you were one year older than my sister. So you might have been at Florida State at the same time as my sister. And she she's she studied drama at Florida State. Oh, I bet she knew my ex girlfriend. Fuck she's no. A really cool person. Like you know. yeah, she was awesome. Really not fair at all. Because it's so funny because I, she was a guy. She just she was so thoughtful and just the kind of person that you know. Just bought gifts for people and thank you notes and just a really, really party organizer. Loved to host events. I bet she knew Rumbly because they grew up in the same town. She knew everybody. I bet she knew Rumbly. She knew everybody, right, Tom? Yeah. I, uh, I, I guarantee you she knew Rumbly. And I, or one of our friends, Christina Rumbly, was, is from Orlando, like that area. Probably and knew her. went to Florida State. And then my sister worked at Full Sail. She, I got her a job at Universal when I had my sitcom on NBC. 
yeah. 96 to 97. My sitcom only lasted a year. She parlayed that into a job at Universal. Really? In L.A. and worked there for, uh, God, a long time. It was, what, I don't know, like five, six years. And then September 11th happened, and she realized she missed my mom and wanted to be near her family. And yeah. she moved back and got a job at Full Sail. But, um, yeah, she was awesome. And then I've never seen a funeral like that. The The church was packed and then they actually had to hire like extra cops. There was so many cars on the the procession from the church to the to the cemetery. Uh, it's the way you hope your funeral will be, but nobody's ever will be. Yeah, yeah, there yeah. was. I'm telling you, this line of cars was like two miles, and the cemetery was, was packed. Huge. The church was packed. So many people loved my sister. She had such an impact on so many people's lives, it's and it's a rock like. Star. Those are the kind of people that did that get fucking snatched. It's not the it's, yeah. the turd with the black heart and dingy underwear. It was a dick to everybody. I wonder those people lived forever. It's it's the it's the oh, that th- this doesn't sound right as I'm thinking to say it. It doesn't sound right, but it is the benef- benefit of dying younger is that literally everyone real you everyone realizes what an impact you had in their lives. They you know like people people put yeah. a face on it and they go. That God damn it! That how dare they take that person like Patrice? Yeah, I look yeah. at Patrice and I, I, mean, I, I say this. I've told this story a number of times, but the Greg day he Geraldo, died, Mitch Hedberg, Greg Geraldo, Hedberg. Like you look and and then I, I'm I'm even hesitant to say this, and I'm gonna allow myself a second of pause, so I know where this is two thirty three, and I may keep this in and I may not, but it's I'm not gonna even fucking say it. I'm not even gonna fucking say it. What? Well, it's you know, it's like you look at the dudes who like like who lived long, and there's no memory of them. Like Mort Saul, had Mort Saul died, like Lenny Bruce, everyone would be like, "What a fucking genius!" The other day, someone's telling me about Mort Saul, like he's approachable, you can get him, and I was like. But that's Mort Saul. Like, he's one of the fucking godfathers of stand-up comedy. You know, you, you put that closer to us. You look at guys like like Kinnison taking away young, right? Uh, uh, Bill Hicks. Bill Hicks taking away young. And we put them on a pedestal. Patrice is, is, will forever be on a pedestal because guys like me, you, Bill Burr, Jim Norton, Opie and Anthony, fucking anyone, Rogan, anyone who knew him, he left such an indent on your life because he was only there for a short time. But then you look at a guy like like and I and I, I'm even hesitant to say any fucking name, but like a dude who is older, like fifty years old, like Rich. Um, I, you, you Rich weird, Jenny's the one you're trying to say, right? Like yes, yes. <laughs> but Richard Jenny that just felt like I I was there too long, and then he killed himself, and then and then no one and he he lived past the height of had he died. When he was earlier, everyone would be like, he's a fucking genius because he established a lot of people's voice in comedy. But then all of a sudden, he just goes, oh, I've been here too long and kills himself. And you're like, and it, like stuff like that, it's almost hearsay to say in comedy because we all want to live long. We all want to be the Bill Cosby who sits in a chair and just tells a two-hour story and everyone fucking gives us a standing ovation. <laughs> but but the truth is, you take a guy like Mitch or Patrice or, or Hicks or Kinnison or... I mean, even prior to an extent, because you lost his voice at a certain point, and you take him away early, and everyone puts him on a pedestal, and you wonder, is that is that the path? Is that my path? Is that the the road to you know? 
I'm totally taking all this out because I I hate even talking about dying comics because I'm a feel I'm afraid I'm going to be the one that's going to die young. Wait a minute, doesn't doesn't it account for every artist when when they die? Completely. Look right? at look at uh, look at Kurt Cobain, like Jim Morrison or Kurt Cobain. They died early. They never did a Pepsi commercial late in life. You didn't yeah. see them as an old haggard fucking sellout. So of Kurt course, Cobain the versus of- versus uh, Kiss Chris Cornell, and you're like, what? What's Chris Cornell doing? He tries to make a or Creed. Had Creed died in a plane crash, they'd be like Leonard Skinnerd. But <laughs> they'd be like, you'd be like, they were geniuses. They were Southern rock. <laughs> no, we they had soul. They would have. I swear to God. Had Creed died in a plane crash. I don't think so. Had Creed died in a plane crash. One high hope on. What was that fucking song? They would be shit. fucking pedestal. Oh, no dice, baby. Wrong. You know, it's like Freddie Mercury. Arms wide open. <laughs> don't even sing it! Don't even sing it! We don't have the rights. It was for his. It was for his kid was being born. Is that what it was about? Yeah, his kid was. He had one hit, and then his he was gonna have a baby, and he wrote this song. His wife's pregnant. Then he got arrested with arms wide open. He's got arrested for uh, throwing orange juice at his wife in a fight. I was what? like, yeah. Ah, who knows if this is accurate? Orange but juice. He threw. Apparently, came home drunk one night, and then she was yelling at him, and he threw orange juice at her. I was like, <laughs> in or out of the? Container? A lot of wives are uh, a little too eager to dial nine one one. A little bit. Come on. Let me tell you something. I can throw some V eight around the room, and Leanne's still like sleep it off, big boy. Not fucking throw a glass of oranges around. Everyone's like, whoa, nine one one. Well, she just doesn't know what love is. Yeah, you gotta you gotta know your art. You gotta you gotta take some juice splashing in the face every once in a while. Leanne's like Leanne's like uh, like Sharon Osbourne. She she uh, the best. I the thing I, my and I and I like I said I'll I'll pull this back to the way me and you are as artists. Sharon Osbourne uh, was tired of Oz, Ozzy's drinking, but she knew she couldn't stop it. So she was like, "Fuck it, I'll just take your clothes. If you want to drink, you can drink, but you just gotta stay." Uh, naked in a room so you can't leave because I don't want you leaving the room. So I'll let you drink. But I'll give you the bottle. I'll give you the whatever you need. No clothes are in here. So Ozzy's like, not a problem. He then threw on one of her dresses because he needed clothes and he wanted to go out and party. So he put on a woman's dress and went to the Alamo and pissed on it. But like that's, I love that forward thinking of like, you're going to be pissing around the house somewhere. So I'm just putting buckets in every corner of the room. I didn't room. know they lived in San Antonio. No, that's when he... You, <laughs> Yeah, that's he grew up there. He was actually yeah. He worked on the river walk. I like the story about George Jones when he was married to Tammy Wynette. Yeah. He had such a crazy drinking problem that she took on they lived way out in the country and she took all the car keys so that he couldn't uh, get to town and there was no booze in the house. Yeah. And it's a famous story. He drove their riding lawnmower like eight miles into town. To get to go to the liquor store and buy some beer and shit. shit. <laughs> Redneck ingenuity. Yeah, and, past, right? and you know what? The the uh, the median was perfectly trimmed the whole way into town. <laughs> yeah, it's a public it service. Win win. The town win-win. benefited exactly. Oh, that's the fucking. So uh, so let's. I'll try to. Back I think to you the can interview. Do a three hours podcast. We have tw- we have twenty minutes. And then um, we've hit three hours? And then three, yeah, we've wow. hit three hours. This is the longest podcast I've ever done. Really? I knew it was going to happen. Because I'm the most interesting guy. No, you wanted... You're, you're just, and I want to thank just... you for... Because I made my little pilot, um, uh, presentation pilot on Malaysia, the comedy scene in Malaysia. Yeah. 
and I told you about it, and I sent you the my little twenty four minute pilot. I think you, I sent it forward. You right? sent it to somebody at the Travel Channel. Nothing yeah. ever happened, but I want to thank you for doing that. Oh, dude, I do that. I do that all, really any nice time for you. you. Well, you're, you, I, I told you this when we started this. You are one of the one of the um, channel markers for me, like one of the guys where I go. I like I like. I like the way you've done it. I like how you do it, and I like that that it's it's one of the the dudes where you feel like if you if you get there. I told Leanne this is going to sound so funny. I'll cheesy. tell it. Let me tell it. Okay. Yeah, tell it, Leanne. No. Yes. He's talking so about today, me today. Yeah. When he told me you were coming over, he said, "Oh my God, I'm going to have Mark Marin and Tom Rhodes in my podcast all in the same day." If you had told me this when I was working the Boston Boston Comedy Club, I would have said, "Am I going to be a millionaire too?" <laughs> this is so exciting. It was it was definitely so it was I, it was a moment of realization where I was like I was like holy shit man like you guys were and still are to this day dudes I look up to where I go where I like I I, I, I don't watch many sets of comedy but when we were in Tumblers I fucking checked it. I sat for years and I was like fuck yeah like I didn't I don't like uh there's not many podcasts that I get excited to hear but I, and Man, I you're know a fan you, of my podcast. That really means a lot. I was to a me. fan of your podcast before people knew what podcasts were. I think the benefit of my podcast, I I do people around the world, and that's the TV show I'm trying to make. And I don't know why. Uh, you know, we pitched it to the Travel Channel, Comedy Central, BBC America. I think a travel show about checking out comedy scenes around the world and highlighting comedians from around the world, and you know, does it work as an American going to these places? Yeah, I think that's how many fat guys eating food travel shows can there be? Uh, yeah, right, they're remaking I mean, come on. the wheel over and over and over again. It's so boring. Well, uh, you know, it's I think really I think they're. Shows. I think they're. I think you know what they're doing is is food works. It works for me. I, I watch a lot of. The, I watch all their food programming, and I and I still dig it. I, you know, I, I I said this to them. Right, but there's so many. I love to travel. You love yeah. to travel. My whole you, life, what you're saying is, I, is I, travel is all about because food. You open a bottle of wine, baby. I'm not. Uh, small town Florida guy because I made my life about travel and yes. educated myself through travel. So well, I think that's the there's growth. More than the growth of the network will be that. I more- think right now where the payoff is 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 food. I love food programming to this day. Okay, maybe I should pitch the same show, but I eat something weird in every place. I think they've, they've definitely already got that. The uh, no, I think it's me and comedians from around the world eating weird stuff. Yeah. <laughs> It's sold or riding roller coaster. Now you're slamming me, and that's where we stop, Leanne. The uh, <laughs> no, the, but but you're a class, you're 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 a classy guy, and the, the fact that you like you helped me, uh, oh, I, I'll yeah, always appreciate that about you. I, I dig what you do, and I dig. Where I you're would going. fight for you in a bar, even if you were wrong. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> that is exactly what I want to hear because there. That I, time, that I, time will show up. Of that time will show up. I'll give you a tap on the shoulder. I know it Tom, will. you brought this up one time, and listen, will, here's the deal. I, will I accidentally fight for you spit even on a biker. You're wrong. <laughs> I'm going to need you to change shirts with me, Tom, and pretend to be me for about ten minutes. Hey, and can I can I give you a, a, another sincere compliment right now? Please. Uh, I love your man cave. It's 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 like a, a Wyoming hunting lodge, and I like the way it's decorated. <laughs> But uh, I grew up with comedy albums. Yeah. My dad had comedy albums. My dad's the reason I'm a comedian. He loved comedy. Yeah. And I grew up on comedy albums. So I used to like collect comedy albums. One of my favorite comedy albums of all time you have hanging on the wall. It's Red Fox. Oh. You Gotta Wash Your Ass. Yeah. That was the beginning of... And uh... he's, holding a, he's holding a donkey's tail up with one hand, and he's holding his nose with the other hand. Yeah. It's called You Gotta Wash Your Ass. It was before Sanford and Son. And on that album... 
Red Fox tells what I consider to be the Parthenon of dick jokes. What is it? What is it? I know. I, I know that album. I went to Tijuana, and I rented a car, and I'm driving around, and I ran over this guy and I accidentally killed him, and I'm in court, and the judge said, "Mr. Fox, did you see the man standing in the street with his tamale wagon?" I said, "Your Honor, I didn't even notice that his fly was open." <laughs> With his tamale wagon, I didn't even notice that his fly was open. Ah, I have not. I've, I have. That, I've listened to that album. It's been a really long time. Right when I got into comedy, that's the I one joke I remember from that album. Two thousand nineteen ninety nine, two thousand. I want to say nineteen ninety nine. I I celebrated. No, it was uh, probably ninety nine. I celebrated uh, New Year's Eve in Miami, and my New Year's Eve resolution was to get on stage a hundred times. And I just turned twenty six, and I just started doing stand up, and I listened to. I bought every great uh, comedy album and listened to it on the ride from Miami back to Tampa to fly back to New York, and uh, and I listened to that Red Fox album. That and uh, 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 what's Gregory? James Gregory? Is it James Gregory? Oh no 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 no! Uh, oh God! No, that's the Southern guy. Black dude. Dick Gregory. Dick Gregory. Listen to Dick Dick Gregory. Uh, uh, um, Andy Griffith. Like yeah, the football those. thing. Oh my yeah. God. What an all-time classic bit. Yeah. And so... Uh, uh, the, in the, the uh, Face in the Crowd. You ever see that film? No. It was Bob Dylan. I read Bob Dylan's autobiography. It was Bob Dylan's favorite film. He would go see the movie every day when it was in the theaters. Came out 65, something like that. He plays this hayseed. It's before Andy Griffith. Yeah. And he's just some street dude in Louisiana. He plays guitar excellently. And, uh, well, he was in prison, he gets out, and somehow he gets on some local radio thing, and then he becomes this huge nationwide, and he gets a TV show in New York City. And his character, the name is Lonesome Rhodes. And it's really, really a brilliant uh, examination of fame. And, like, this guy, he thought he was suckering the people. by yeah. well, he did this real southern charm, and that he just um, suckered everybody with... Uh, but he, 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 it turned out he, the microphones were left on, and he was saying he thought they were all a bunch of idiots, and then his career... Sounds like Joe Fascinating Dirt. film. Nothing. <laughs> no one ever saw Joe Dirt. Nope. With David Spade. Sounds like Joe Dirt. Oh, yeah. It does, it does sound like Joe Dirt. Wow. <laughs> wow. It's, it's a... a <laughs> David Spade You'll see film. it. <laughs> there's no comparison. No, there's none. It's like saying, you know... Um, Spartacus or a Gladiator, God, just you know the the depth and the story and the struggle of the hero and oh yeah, it reminded me of Sister Act too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know the struggle with the hero, the struggle with trying to get to a happy ending. What are you talking about, Joe Dirt? <laughs> We're gonna ride this bitch right up to fucking three hours. I'm telling you right now. Um, God, man, how how long are you in town for? Uh, Sunday, I'm going to Asia for. Two weeks. I'm doing this fabulous tour. I've done it, did it a couple years ago. You do Singapore, Kuala Lumpur, and Jakarta. God damn. And then we didn't even talk about New Zealand. I just had the most incredible month in New Zealand. We did. We went to the Hobbit house, Hobbiton, uh, where they filmed The Hobbit. Yeah. They still got all the houses. You can go see them. It's fabulous. Uh, And then there's this guy who is... uh, the, on the FBI's most wanted list, he's trying to—they're trying to extradite him to the United States. You party with them? Kim.com. 
You ever heard of Kim? Uh, yes, I have. Yes, I have. <coughs> so I did the fat end. dude, right? A big, a big, tall German guy. He's large. Yeah. Um, he's big, yeah. He's like he's like six seven, six eight. I mean, tall, big. Uh, he had megaupload.com where all this free content people traded. Did you party with him? No, I did okay. the NPR of New Zealand, New Zealand Radio, New Zealand, New Zealand Radio, something like that. And uh, they interviewed me, and the woman asked me what was the one thing I wanted to do while I was in New Zealand. And I said I wanted to meet Kim.com. And then a couple hours later, he followed me back on Twitter. And I looked at his Twitter thing, and there was an email, and I sent him a nice email, and he invites me to his mansion. And the, the New Zealand Army and the FBI raided his home last year. You may have seen the, yeah. the news. Yeah. Palatial yeah. estate the guy has. And it was on the last day. We, 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 were, we went to his house for like an hour on the way to the airport, and I did a chat from, for my podcast with Kim.com. To the last minute, that's It was amazing that I got to meet the guy, much less interview him and... You know, hear, hear his side of the story. Are you serious? Yeah. Yes. So wait, who do you have on your podcast right now? What's coming up? Uh, a lot of guys I did in New Zealand. Yeah. Uh, Steve Hughes, brilliant Australian, uh, one of my uh, favorites. Steve Hughes, one of my favorite dudes in the world. Yeah. We right. we shared. We were nah, sweet mates is the wrong thing in South Africa, but like we both had our own rooms. But they South were Africa. next. We were next door to each other, and our, we shared the same pool. South Africa was fucking amazing. And, uh, oh, you did that festival? I've never done it. I was a while, it was a while ago. It was back when the dude that ran it, ran it, ran it. Now I think it's a little different. But, uh, oh, but Steve and I hung out a lot, and we had a great fucking time, and I love him. I was, th- I was thinking of one of his jokes the other day. As I was walking my kids into school, I saw a kid with a Bob Mar- Marley shirt, and one of Steve's jokes is, uh, uh, I have to do the accent. I smoked so much weed in high school that Bob Marley had a picture of me on his wall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Steve Hughes is fucking great. He's Funny. a great comedian. He, is, he does a lot of yeah. conspiracy theory stuff. He's a good comedian. If you don't know him, look him, look, look him up yeah. on, on YouTube. He's got great... He did, he did a great bit in New Zealand. He was talking about, like, how does this twat have a helicopter? I've yeah. got one one pair of shoes. He was talking about, like, it was, all these rich twats have helicopters. Yeah. I got one pair of shoes. <laughs> He's uh, he this great bit that he he, he did years ago about... He wears an earring in his left ear, and he lives in England now. And his friends in England go, Steve, you know, in England, if you wear an earring in your left ear, that means you're gay. He goes, oh, it's funny. I'm from Australia. And in Australia, if you have your cock in another man's ass, it means you're gay. <laughs> <laughs> he is great. He is so computer illiterate that I swear to God, if any of my listeners can get Steve Hughes to reply to them in any manner, I will have you as a guest on my podcast. He is so computer illiterate to the point where he um, he didn't he didn't have an email address and he wanted to email his chick. And we were in South Africa. And he, he goes, "Can I email her from your play from your email address?" So I said, "Yeah." So I got it up and I got it I got it all set and I go, "Here you go." So I set him up and he goes, "Okay." And so he goes, where is the B? And I go, excuse me? He goes, I want to write babe. And I went, are you serious? And he goes, yeah, I'm just looking for the, here it is, B. Where is the A? And I went, just tell me what you're going to fucking say, Steve. I felt like I was typing in a fucking letter with Georgia. So I just typed the letter for him and then sent it. And he was like, that sounds good to me. Send it to her. He has no fucking, he had a MySpace because Andre Vincent's brother, you know Andre Vincent? Brett Vincent, yeah. Yeah, Brett Vincent sent him a a MySpace account and ran it for him. And Brett Vincent's a cool dude. I like that dude. Love Brett And Andre, I like a lot too. I love Andre. I get a kick out of all those dudes. Yeah, they're fun. Yeah, I I, uh, I just started going back to London in the last couple years. I got a lot of brilliant friends there. I'd go back to London. I'd go to London to do sets. 
I'd want, but I'd want the people I knew, like like uh, Alistair Berry. Do you know Alistair? Oh, I know Alistair. Yeah, I do. Alistair and Steve. And He's Andre. doing an interesting podcast. We went to see it. Uh, tapes at the Soho Theater. It's called No Pressure to Be Funny. Really? Yeah, but it's, they, have, they have like political commentators and a few comedians, and they'll have an interesting panel. Life, life and they podcast. talk about uh, current events of the world. They're uh, they're, and I will say this, and I know Very that people good. don't agree with this, but. The BBC view, the English view of the world is a little more global than ours sometimes and, and the way they I see it. I think so too. And, and we love the BBC. And then we're in England talking to our English comedian friends. And they're like, oh, no, it's so biased. No, they're part of the machine. It's all filtered. <laughs> they're telling you what you and I, oh, that's what I say about CNN and fucking Fox. Well, this one's on NPR. And I always thought that, you know, and I look at The Guardian. I, 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 I think that it's a little more honest. Yeah. Um, news, but I started to uh, do Al Jazeera in English. I kind of like that. Uh, you know, what's so funny is that I just assumed there was a. This is just the way American views are. Uh, not American. Let me just say me. I don't want to clump you guys into my ignorant views, but like because Al Jazeera came out when nine eleven came out, and I had first heard of it at the same time, I just assumed it was a terrorist organization. Yeah, it's pro Arabic and everything. Yeah, pro Arabic. No, actually, they're, they're, they're now. And they're like the new CNN. I'll have it like in Asia and Europe. It'll be yeah. Al Jazeera English will be on the... And it's far more in-depth and honest news. Objective. Objective yeah. news. They're, yeah. trying to, they're, they're trying to be... Act, they're doing like real journalism. I yeah. mean, I think some stories are slanted. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't, I don't less, know. Less I wouldn't say... That. I, mean, I think maybe I'm American or... and maybe I don't like some of the stuff that they, you know, portray my country, but I can't say it's a lie. Yeah. You I know? mean, yeah, yeah. Everyone's look. There's uh, there's there is uh, there's the person at the party that gets the knife pulled on him, and then there's Charlie Sheen. Someone started it. I don't know who it is, <laughs> but I would just say that uh, that you yeah, look. It's you know it, it it's uh, it's how business goes down. All right, we got to wrap it up. We're literally minutes away from the end. How do we end to something like this? Um, I only say this when you come back to LA I'd love to have you guys back over and do this again yes please would love it yeah I, no they, we've been, been trying so, to do this for a long time I'm glad we got together I love being around you Tom you're such a, a, a literally an insightful enlightened knowledgeable worldly dude and you're a comic and that's like the one thing that <laughs> where's I think my all travel us, show <laughs> I, let me tell you something man I, I, you gotta start eating I gotta yeah. start eating. You gotta start Leanne eating. said it. Yeah. I gotta I'm start gonna, You know what? Whatever I film in any country, I'm gonna be eating something weird when I'm doing it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna be interviewing like the world's greatest comedians, but I'm gonna be eating a bowl New of spiders. Shows. Tom Rhodes, guess what's in my mouth? <laughs> <laughs> the uh, but you really are one of those dudes that is like the forerunners of where our art form is going and 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 the way you see the world. Not, not like and you're a lot of guys are working like I want to get in Des Moines. I want to get in. I'm going to be in Des Moines soon. I want to get in Philly. I want to get in Buffalo. But like, uh, the point is, like, why not use what you can do on stage and let it take you around the world? Travel the world. Yes. Let it literally. Yeah. Turkey, Istanbul, Israel. And comedy is, they're doing comedy all over the world. And that's why I, I, I think my show idea would be perfect now. But, uh, but I, I love you. You know, you're from Florida. I'm proud of you. For what you've done, and I, I, I love that you've since the day I met you, you've always poured nothing but love and respect all over me. And you know, thanks for 
you know, always holding me in such high regard. I really oh, appreciate man. that. I'm fucking, I can't wait till, I can't wait. Till it's we, nice to be loved, Bart. I can't wait till the, the huge Tom Road, Rhodes resurgence and you're doing this <laughs> huge stadium tour and you call me up and I'm like, the Travel Channel <laughs> show's over, Tom, man. I don't know what I'm doing. I got a gig in, gig in Jakarta and you're like, you're like, Bert, come with me. And I'm like, I fucking knew it. I'm bad. Like, I, that's, that's the way I fucking look at this world. I just, that and I, I like good comedy, man. You're a fucking great comic, and that's you'll always have that moniker go with you anywhere you go. Anything you want to promote? Uh, your podcast, your podcast. Tom Rhodes Radio. We have literally free on iTunes. Uh, f- two seconds left. Tom Rhodes Radio, this. free on iTunes. I'm at Philadelphia Helium, New Year's Eve. Um, yeah, Chicago Zanies, October. I will. I will. September. Maybe? I will end this podcast the way the best ending I've ever heard any podcast end. And that is Ricky Lee Jones. And I listened. Have you ever? Have I ever told you this? You Episode remember, number remember, one of Tom Rhodes Radio. Do you remember, do you remember when Stano? we were in? Do you remember when we were in uh, Clearwater Beach? And I got. I ate frog legs and alligator tails. And I got sick. And I yes. was throwing up. Yes. The night before I got sick, I was having a hard time. I had a hard, hard time sleeping. And I was listening to podcasts, and I found Tom's podcast, and it was like. Like back to back to back, and I was the last one I listened to was Doug Stanhope, and I'm telling you when I say it, it is the it is the it is the high water mark for where beautiful it is, and I, and I say this lovingly, and I hope you appreciate this. Tom and Doug are hammered. Doug is taking an Ambien. Tom is drinking wine. Doug has matched Tom wine for wine, and Doug is out of it. And Tom is and Tom is Tom is very focused on. On the set he did last the night before, he's talking like, "Hey, did you see the last joke I told?" Like it's like it's like they're not riding the same wave. But at some moment, they tell this story—a beautiful story. I will not try to match it. I will simply tell you to download this episode on iTunes. Doug Stanhope, Tom Rhodes, Tom Rhodes Radio, episode number one, where Doug, Tom says, "Do you remember the time we?" Oh, had- I remember. Yes. I remember. I played yes, it for you, didn't you I? Did. Yes, <laughs> and I, I got it. I got and it. Tom goes. Uh, do you remember the time we had mushrooms out of your place? And Doug goes, yes. And Tom goes, and I thought we should have more. Uh, serious miscalculation. <laughs> Tactical, <laughs> error. Tactical error. Tactical <laughs> error. And Doug uh, peed in his pants. We're lying on his driveway. We're in our 40s. Yeah. And we're both holding on the earth, hoping that we don't fall off the spinning earth <laughs> and float out into the universe. And I ended up vomiting. And uh, his girlfriend Bingo. changed his pants. It was the most loving thing I've ever seen a, a, a lover do for for their person. But the most beautiful it, moment it of this the, whole thing took off his pants, changed his pants. But there was a song, and we kept having her repeat it. She on on uh, on the iPod it was playing, and it, it was Ricky Lee Jones, and we played it like thirty or forty times. And me and Doug are lying on the, we can't get up. Yep. Because we're afraid of spinning <laughs> off into the universe, and we were singing this song as it was playing. It's Ricky Lee Jones. We Belong together. It's the fucking beautiful Ricky Lee. I listen to it sometimes on airplanes, and I pretend I was there with you guys, just drinking beers. Like it's it's a it's a beautiful moment. That moment in podcasting was one of those things where I went, "Holy shit! Shit just turned a quarter." I'm listening to two old friends. I'm sharing a moment with two old friends that, as if I was there, it was such a great fucking moment. And if for no other reason, go to Tom Rhodes Podcast, TomRhodesRadio dot com. Is that your thing? Uh, Tom Rose Radio, subscribe. Tom, Tom, Tom Rose at Net right now. 
Tom subscribe. It's my email. Rate my website. Review. Please rate. Please review. It gets them on the boards on iTunes. Subscribe, rate, and review. Tom Rhodes. Tom, I sincerely appreciate Tom both of you. Tom Rhodes Radio. <laughs> that's that's your hype man. That's your Jimmy Hart. I love you, Bert. I love you too. Thank you guys so much. Literally ten seconds away from three hours. <laughs> This episode was brought to you by The Machine.